Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, the Sigmarines have descended, and we are going to be reviewing the Stormcast Eternals Battle Tome, finally. Yeah, been a while. You know, we... <laughs> We had a, what was it, a, a series of delays in physically getting it. Yes. And then we had some event episodes to give you in between, mm-hmm. which I think gave us enough time to figure out the format we were looking for mm-hmm. in this. We decided to go with one episode. So don't worry, this is probably not going to be a six hour long no. episode. No. What we decided to do is talk about, number one, all of the new War Scrolls. War Scrolls for units that have not existed in previous books. Good. And then the second one is Dan and I have picked out, you know, I think it's 15-ish or so, mm-hmm. War Scrolls that are of interest to us. Either you know we particularly like them for some reason, we think they're very good, or they're part of some other list construction purpose that we'd like to address because this battle tome is roughly 80 War Scrolls. <laughs> it's more than like, if you took three of some others, combined them, you wouldn't have that many. I might be leaving this episode a different age <laughs> if... We tried to cover all of them. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry in the covering of it, if we skipped a war scroll that, you know, you really loved and is really your favorite, you know, we did have to make some decisions on what we felt was going to be an interactive and engaging episode. Yes. And rather than trying to do this and hold your attention over two, knowing that there's a fair number of you who are very interested in the other book that exists right now, yeah. which is the Auric Warclans book, we had to make some decisions on what it was going to be that was going to serve as many parties as possible in terms of maintaining your attention and actually being able to teach you something that you'll retain. We felt that that second episode was going to be very difficult (laughs) to go, oh, they told us what this rule was in the last one, and I don't remember how it works. So, And that one was four hours. I don't want to go back. (laughs) They're unconnected, yeah. Thanks for that recap, Brendan, because that's exactly, listeners, what we've decided to do. And again, just in the interest of keeping things applicable and interesting, to your point, educational, so we can give you some ideas about what Stormcast is and hopefully give you some tools to build lists with a good starting good primer for that and we also wanted to avoid doing the winners versus losers because you know as we talk brendan the war scrolls are what they are and and we know some people are disappointed you're always going to be disappointed when there's a new book of your army some things are going to get better some things are going to lose some things and we just didn't want to focus on that piece of it we wanted to focus on the things that were there the things we're going to be able to use to build our lists and go from there the last thing listeners is again a reminder and this brendan we're finally going to do it at the beginning of the show the episode is that where it's already too late <laughs> is that we are time stamped especially if you're new to the show but if you're not you know that so you can go wherever you want and we're going to break our stormcast discussion into two parts if you want to take part of it stop you know take a break whatever because we are going to do that so <laughs> Lord knows as we we'll go through this to. so that's it thanks for coming along for the ride and brendan we're going to get right over to whispers from the warp sounds good hello my name is inigo montoya you kill my father. Prepare to die. Okay, hobby time, boss. 
I've been working on some Cruel Boys. Yeah, I, I saw that on Discord. Between our last episode and here, finished painting up a B-Skewer Killbo. It looks good. I saw it the other day. It looks looks very nice. And then I painted up nice. 10 Gut Rippers. Didn't finish the basing on them yet, but I want to do all the basing kind of at the same time. It, it makes the process a little bit easier. Now, you said that Killabo was kind of a, a challenging model. It's a very difficult model to assemble, in part because it has a lot of what I would call things you don't want to glue together, <laughs> particularly the pull ropes. Mm -hmm. They don't have an alignment feature mm. on them, so it's four kind of free-spinning Oh, wow. Ropes that mate to another part that they interlock to. Don't glue them until you've created the mesh points together for it. Okay. So you have that, and then you have to like snap all of the stuff together to fit it to the base. Hmm. It's one of those models that I think you really want to subassemble, but I would caution you in doing so, uh, primarily because I don't know how you're going to get the model together <laughs> okay. later. Sure. Thankfully, I felt like I had enough access to enough of the places, you know, that you have any real ability to see. Okay. I feel okay about the results. No, and it looks great. Yeah. It's a good look. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to build five of them, but... <laughs> oh, and we'll cover it when we talk about the War Clans book. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a circumstance where you're running four unless you are playing in a team setting, maybe, mm, sure. and, and that's a skew list. That and you're you providing the fire support kind of a well, thing. Well, I, no, I don't even mean doubles. I mean, like, oh. in a teams of four oh, setting okay. yeah. where you guys have developed this really wild skew list that serves mm. to defeat a specific subset of armies that you're going to try and it gives you that to. tool yeah. yeah okay gotcha yeah because otherwise okay. it's what it is yeah that's its own thing we'll talk about it in war clans then painted the 10 gut rippers yep i built 10 more and i built okay. a kill a boss on vulture waiting for some of the rest of my models to show up They've been going together pretty quick. Okay. You know, in terms of what I'm trying to do, I'm doing an ice themed because everyone is going to paint swamps and I have to be a contrarian. <laughs> so, that would be cool. I think it's been a good scheme so far. I'm very kind of interested in my mind how, I, how I'm going to do the vulture model. It went together really nicely. It's got a really cool profile. It's both bigger and smaller than I thought it was going to be. Oh. Like I don't know how to I don't know necessarily know how to like convey that idea specifically, but the base is the same as a vampire lord on zombie dragon. Okay. And that's a one thirty, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's good size. It's a relatively big base. Yeah. But like the footprint on it, physically on the base, is so small. Also, part of it is like the wings are all kind of hunched up, so oh, you're yeah. not getting like a full Well, you've got a fair amount of height on that model too. Yeah, remember. it's kinda tall. Yeah. You know, not as tall as, as other things, obviously, but... Right, it was both bigger and smaller of a model I than, I, okay. than I thought it was going to be. So I'm very interested to kind of see where my mind takes me on addressing that model. Okay, cool. It would help if I had a list that I felt comfortable with, but we'll talk about that later. Sure. Dan, probably I nothing, my, right? Well, actually, you know, we've been going over this discussion about, as weird as it sounds, listeners, because everybody knows that I was just obsessed with, with vampers and stuff. Brendan and I have had some discussion of meta, you know, and what do you have that wins games? What tools do you have? Right now, I'm going to build and paint a thousand points of 
vampires of Soulblight. And I'm going to make it a thousand point list so that if I want to, say, do the narrative thing at Adepticon, mm-hmm. if they have the narrative event again, I'd like to be able to take a list that's themey or a list that I could do Pat the Glory. You know, there's some people locally who are running that. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm in the process of building and painting two boxes of direwolves. I'm thinking of a list kind of that's all either death rattle or walking dead kind of a thing. So zombies and skeletons I have done. I do the the wolves and then I have Gorslav in there so we can bring stuff back. Maybe Belladama would be cool if you have, you know, some wolves. Maybe throw a necromancer in there and all that stuff combined is easily going to get me a thousand points. But I'm thinking of that hobby-wise. I've got the skeletons and the zombies done. I've got Gorslav done. I got the necromancer done. So the only thing I really have to paint is those and build is two boxes of dire wolves which I'm in the process of. And then Belladama. And she's built. She's just not painted. Mm. So that's kind of where I am with my vampers and hobby on that side. And then I got my wizard painted for my Pathfinder stuff. All right. uh, Which is really cool. And I'll talk about what that's going to look like because it's really locked in now uh, when we get down to events. That's been my hobby. I hadn't built anything even for a little while so it was nice getting those boxes of wolves out and starting to put pieces together and kind of then looking at the models close up and like ooh, what do i want to do with that and that looks cool and you know thinking of some conversions and other things so fair enough hobby wise all right so what do we got we got release wise the cruel boys big guys the bow we know the gut rippers are all all that stuff is available somewhere now we have the chariots and the judicators with the hounds on the stormcast side so all that stuff is out there yeah the the only difference is is there's a few things that were from the dominion box Mm -hmm. that you don't have the ability to get unless you can find a dominion box okay for instance on the stormcast side the annihilators and on the cruel boy side the bolt boys and we know they'll come out at some point but they're not available now present okay. and not in their own individual kit okay i think which is particularly bothersome for the annihilators because there's two builds of annihilators mm-hmm. and you can only get physically one kind of annihilator right now okay and when we talk about them we'll mm-hmm. talk about what is it is the, is it the one with the hammers or the one without the hammers? well you can you can only get the ones with the shields okay so it's the better save so, so the ones with the hammers are the ones that you don't have the ability to purchase a model for right <laughs> of now. Of course. On the 40k side, there's actually a lot of stuff going on. There's squigasaurs, which are kind of cool. There's a boss bunker. There's a pain boss. There's pig chariots, which look kind of fun, actually. And then other orc stuff. You got a custom force field guy. You got pig riders. You got squig riders. There's a couple bosses. You have the boys that go mm-hmm. with those guys. That stuff is all either pre-order or it is release now so they've really thrown a lot of orc stuff out there and then pre-order it looks like this coming weekend is not going to really have much quote warhammer stuff either 40k or sigmar it looks like it's all going to be aeronautica stuff because that's really a big thing now they've been advertising it all over the community page there's supposed to be a new black templars book coming out soon and they had a grimaldus model that's supposed to come out they're going to reissue that van sar on the necromunda side they got a new battle suit and there's a little pet spider thing that goes with that so if you're into vansar on the necromunda side that's coming out i'm sure that might be either ordered or pre-ordered this coming weekend and then we know what the setting is for the next underworld season yep we found that out as Harrow, under the sea harrow deep so that's all the stuff kind of in the pipeline and stuff that's out there or coming very soon but in terms of pre-order for the next week we'll probably find out sometime during the this show as usual and we'll catch up 
and the show closed. We could do it then. We may just start doing that if there is anything that we need to announce. Because about an hour and a half from now, because we're still recording. This is really just bad timing on yeah, our part. As always, we can because we start recording about 10 o'clock on Sundays, and so it's right in the middle of our recording session. As far as the app goes, do you have any more thoughts? Have you used it anymore? Have you no, tried to work with it? One of our listeners, Dave Blenner, G-Dead, yeah. oh, sent sure. me a kind of an app translator uh, where it takes the lists that you get in their format from the app that I mm-hmm. hate, I still hate, yes. and turns it into something that is not offensive to the human mind. Um <laughs> So that's cool, oh, but cool. it's an application for an application, Ugh. which stupid. Just fix your app. Yeah. Right. Now I have a question about it. Okay. So, you know, we both got our Cruel Boys and our Stormcast books, mm-hmm. and there's a cool code in the back. Yes. So you can download the contents of the books on the app. You own every Battle Tome pretty much. Yeah. I own maybe four or five others besides these two. So what happens with those? Because the stuff is free now. But if you got you need a code from a book to get into that, that implies to me at some point that's going to be behind a paywall. But if you've already bought the book, you don't have a code in those old books, though. No. So you're going to have to rebuy those books again to get them in. Yeah, the if, you, if you want the digital version. Okay, sure. Right. Okay. The people that I feel for in that regard are the ones who only bought the digital versions in the old app. Mm-hmm. And now to use it in the new app. Right now, there's, you know, it's all available, mm-hmm. but potentially you may have to purchase it there. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Just a thought. Yeah. You know, as we're, we're looking forward to that coming to fruition at some point. So that's it for stuff's games played. So I wanted to talk about the old world, the computer game, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, the, not the Warhammer thing. Yeah. Again, Dan with the pre-release of, of old world. Uh, <laughs> It's been very rewarding. I've really enjoyed the game. I started out, usually there's six different civilizations. And the first game I played, I came out five out of six. Mm-hmm. I didn't do very well. But then obviously I'm learning the rules and what how to win and what the conditions are to win and stuff. So I came out, I was second out of six in my second game. And right now, I'm kind of back and forth between first and second as we progress towards, we're about 140 turns into 200 uh, turn game. And it's really kind of cool to see it flipping back and forth like that. It makes it really fun because there's a lot of tension and you really... Or into the game because you want to make sure you can stay on top. You know, sure. it's very dynamic. The standings. It's really really cool, and I just enjoy all the elements to it. And yeah, it's just a fun game. Even though the combat's very rudimentary, it's still an important part. But there are other things in the game that are much more important. How about you? Other than Sigmar? gosh, I haven't played any games of Sigmar between here and the last episode, and no other outside games. Not like board games. Okay, you know, or. Computer games or anything. Playing a bunch of NCAA 14. Okay, and you, you talked know, about that last. It's just like on Saturdays, I'll just yeah. post up and watch college football games sure. and play a college football okay. video game and okay. just burn through a number of hours and, and just right. kind of enjoy myself for... Because like every game is like an hour long, so you have to sit there and understand that that's the time commitment that you're going to be making, so... You know, sometimes I'm just like, I'll get home and I'll be like, I don't really feel like investing myself too heavily in something. Like I will play one game, it's an hour and then, you know, settle in with whatever else for the rest of the evening. Yeah. Just been really doing that and just a bunch of paintings. So okay, I do need to get some practice in and figure out what I'm going to play for Dragonfall. So he's going to ask you. Segwaying into the events section. Yeah. So you haven't decided on a list yet. No. And we're... 
three weeks out. Yeah. Okay. Lists are due in like two. It's unusual for you. I, you, some, I mean, there's you got nothing... some started. You're not going to do Cruel Boys. You won't have enough, I assume. I don't know. Oh, you might. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe. <laughs> like, there's nothing that, like, I feel overly compelled to play. You know, I got effectively an event win, you know, already from the season of Best General at Circle City. Mm-hmm. And it was with the army I wanted to play at the time, so... Mm-hmm. I don't feel overly compelled to, yeah, yeah. to be doing anything in particular. So Well, you have that list if you need it, yeah, obviously. If I want to go back and, and do that. It's not complaining, right? I have <laughs> how many dozens of armies on the shelf that if <laughs> I just... Like, it could come down to list writing night, and I just uh, go full boy wonder and go, <laughs> I'll try that. I've not played this at all before, but yeah, let's see how this combination of things works. Looks like fun. And maybe get like a practice game in beforehand yeah. and just roll up to the event one practice game deep and just go, all right, let's go. Let's do this. Sure. Yeah, why not? Let's have it. Cool. So that's for Dragonfall. That's for Dragonfall. Okay. And RockCon has come together for me. Mm-hmm. I've got five four-hour sessions planned. So it is, yes, that just what it sounds like. That's 20 hours of Pathfinder. Gross. So I'm going to play my Paladin on Friday, basically from 2 in the afternoon to 11 at night. There's a couple hour breaks in there. And then I am going to play my new wizard, who I've never played before for three sessions, which is nine in the morning till 11 on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, I was going to sign up for another one, but I decided because there's so many vendors that come up to RockCon and some really interesting stuff going on. So I think what I'm going to do is just Sunday, not sign up for anything in the morning, just get up, have a nice breakfast and kind of relax and then head on over there and hit all the vendors that I haven't had time to hit, you know, the first two days. And then just kind of wander around and see if anybody's got a game open or any openings for for people to play or whatever and just relax for the day and then Mm -hmm. head home. But I think I'll get my money's worth out of Pathfinder in those first two days. That's good. Yeah, it'll be really fun. And again, as always, the people running it are great, great folks. So, all right, so that's RockCon and Dragonfall. Midwinter is a gaming convention that happens in January in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty big deal. It is mid-January, so I'm not sure if there's going to be conflict with Ragnarok. I think Ragnarok was later in the month, correct? It's always Pro Bowl weekend, which I believe this year is February 4th through 6th. Okay, perfect. All right, so that won't be... uh, That's good. I just wanted to ask if you knew when the general time frame would be. So that's good. Get ready to sign up for Midwinter then, once I have that question answered, and see what's going on there. The events are starting to roll in now and stuff, so it's that's really cool. And then you have Havoc in yep. a couple months. Also in another event that I don't know what I'm planning on taking. Okay. Dave and mine's team is Bucks and Six, so okay. we have a theme picked out, but we don't know what we're playing. All right, Coolio. So there you go. All right. Narrative Gamer's the finest of us. Oh, perfect. Is there any Adepticon news you can share with us? I don't know anything that anybody else doesn't know. You haven't had any meetings or anything yet? Any confabs or anything with the general crew? No, I mean, I just, I'm just stuff. the Age of Sigmar TO. So right. my focus is champs. Okay. Except, you know, I know what the pack looks like. But that's... Yeah, well, that's... Something and none of you are get to know no. what... <laughs> I mean, none of, nobody. Even me, listeners. Yeah. I, I don't get to know any of this. I have no access. Never, never happened. All right, that's it, Brendan, for whispers. That was kind of quick. For yeah, us. it's good. I'm not not because <laughs> the rest of this show is going to be pretty long. Okay, so we're going to move right into Emperor Lies, and we're going to talk about Sigmarines. So we'll be right back. I mean, what are we? A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. All right, Brendan, man. Let's talk about Sigmarines, and I think what we're going to do is. 
as we usually do, we're going to start with allegiance abilities and that kind of stuff because that makes sense. Yep. Uh, I have to say I did look through some of the lore at the beginning of this, and it was kind of interesting because I'm not a big Sigmar lore fan, or I don't know much about the Sigmar. You've not invested a lot of time into it. I have not, and I think some of the stories from what some people have said have kind of been updated and have changed and things like that, so that's pretty cool. And some of the stories were pretty neat. So I have this kind of a picture of Stormcast from the few Mortal Realms books. Mm-hmm. And I never had a positive view of Stormcast. So it kind of gave me a different perspective on them. Kind of humanized them in a lot of ways, which was kind of neat. So let's go with Allegiance abilities. First thing we have is Storm Hosts. These are our... Eight Those are your sub-factions. Sub-factions, okay. Mm-hmm. Eight of them. And the thing that happens with these now that is different from other sub-faction selections. This is the same in the War Clans book, so this is probably going to be the new standard going forward. You still gain the keyword for that sub-faction, and it really just gives you, like, a rule, and it may give you access, may give you access to something that becomes Battle Line If. But you don't get all the goodies you don't get the relics there's not a command ability there's not a command trait that you're forced into there's not a specific artifact that you end up being forced into you get a rule maybe you get a battle line if you know traits and for the most part like that's it when i see this i kind of like it from the perspective that a lot of times but not always of course you were forced into taking a relic or a command trait that Mm -hmm. really wasn't useful you were taking it for the rule for that particular sub-faction. And now it leaves those things open. Since you're not locked into a command trade, you're locked, not locked into a relic, you have a little bit more flexibility when you're building your army. Yeah, I think ultimately, and when we talk about them, it is more just an instructive guide to list building as opposed mm-hmm. to a strictly competitive advantage of... Every, well, everyone plays this sub-faction because the rule for it is so good, the command ability is so good, mm-hmm. the command trade is whatever, and the artifact is fine. And, you know, it gives you access to the one thing that you wanted to be battle line anyways. So here you go. Yeah, there are ones that are better than others. Fine. That is to be expected. But I don't see it as this huge competitive advantage one over the other necessarily. Okay. And it's fewer things to have to fight for balance for. And you're going to see a reduction in the number of command traits and artifacts, you know, in these books as we go through them. Mm -hmm. So they are going to be a a bit more streamlined and hopefully it provides better choice. Because how many shows have we done where we just go, none of these are better than any of the sub-faction ones. You'd never take any of these over the sub-faction one. Yeah. Now there is no sub-faction one to take. You can actually take the ones that serve the purpose that you want to take. And remember, you always have access to the ones that are general in the core rules. Mm -hmm. So that is always something that's in play as well. All right. Then we have Guardians of the Heavens and Shield of the Mortal Realms. Mm -hmm. Here's where you have to make a choice. A required choice. A required choice, yes. You have to make a choice. It's Stormkeep versus the ones from Scions. From Azir. Right. So you're either drop-down Stormcast or you're on the table Stormcast. Okay. That's going to be your differentiator for most Scions of, of the Storm or Stormkeep. Those are the keywords, mm. correct. Yep. All right. And we'll talk about those in a moment. And then we have Blaze of Glory. I don't... Is this new? So or? this is so this is a rule that showed up in Dominion, uh, but this is a new rule okay. for the Stormcast Battle Tome, where if a friendly Stormcast Eternal model is slain within one inch of an enemy unit, 
Before removing that model from play, pick one enemy unit within one inch of that model and roll a number of dice equal to the wounds characteristic of that slain model. Add one to the number of dice you roll if the slain model has the Thunderstrike keyword. For each six plus, that target unit suffers a mortal wound at the end of that phase. Oh, okay. Something? Chip damage? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have huge units of like 40 models in this army, but... Right. And that model that dies has to be with an inch of... You know, the model doing the damage. A lot of these are on 40s, so it's the front rank that's got to be getting pulled. Yeah. Yeah, you wipe out a unit of five, that could be 10 dice rolls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something. And if you've got the Thunderstrike keyword, it's five up, so you're going to be doing a couple. Yeah. And it might just be enough to to remove, you know, whatever it was that was on the other side or force a battle shock test that's a little more painful. Sure, it's something. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Then the next one is... This is where your decision-making comes yeah. in. And the first one is Scions. Mm-hmm. And this is, like you said, the off-the-board Stormcast. So yes. during deployment, instead of setting up a Scions of the Storm unit on the battlefield, you can place it on one side and say it's set up on the Celestial Realms as a reserve unit. This is very typical mechanic for Stormcast. You can set up one unit in the Celestial Realms for each unit you set up on the battlefield. Specifically, so it's one it says one. Scions of the Storm, Stormcast Eternals unit. Yep. So that means that you can't use your allies to do this. So if you have any cities units, they can't do that. Well, I mean, any allies or anything. It, it has to be unit Scions of the Storm, Stormcast Stormcast. Eternal. Yes. Yeah. Has to be Stormcast. All right. At the end of your movement phase, you can set up one or more of the reserve units in Celestial Realm of the Battlefield, more than nine inches from enemy units. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one for one. Yeah. All right. Coolio. Now, what's interesting here, I didn't see it, so clarify for me. It doesn't say anything about by the end of turn three or by the end of battle round three. No, the rule itself doesn't say that. I'd have to double check into the core rules to see if there's a limiter I just found it interesting they didn't designate it here, because mm-hmm. typically they'll do that. They so. have historically. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't remember if the core rules cover something about reserve units and, and battle round turns. Okay, fair enough. So we'll have to check that. Mm-hmm. And why don't you talk about the Storm Keeps for us? So the Storm Keeps was an introduction in the Broken Realms books mm-hmm. that provided a new way to play your Stormcast. And in here is what is likely to be one of the most competitive rules additions Mm. to an army that I have ever seen. Okay. Number one, and this is nothing special, is the Mortal Auxiliaries. One in every four units can be a coalition unit from the Cities of Sigmar faction. Sure. Your general cannot be a model from a coalition unit. Any Cities of Sigmar units you include in your army gain the Stormkeep keyword. In addition, add one to the bravery characteristic of friendly Stormkeep units that are wholly within 12 inches of any friendly Stormkeep Redeemer units. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a note here about how coalition works, but there's nothing new there. However, the shield of civilization. Now, this is the advantage you gain for losing the ability to deep strike what is normally a very slow army. In the first and second battle rounds, if any friendly Stormkeep Redeemer units contest an objective that is partially or wholly within your territory, each model in that unit counts as three models for the purposes of contesting that objective. Starting from the third battle round, if any friendly Stormkeep Redeemer units contest an objective that is anywhere on the battlefield, each model in that unit counts as three models for that purpose of contesting that objective. In addition, if any enemy unit finishes a charge move within one inch of a friendly Stormkeep Redeemer unit, and that unit is within six inches of an objective you control, roll a dice, and on a three-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. The ability for Liberators, to a unit of five, to count as 15 models. That's insane is sizable that's huge now the things that have the redeemer keyword is typically your 
you know, most baseline battle line. Liberators, yeah. vindictors, some other new Judicators. stuff. Yep. And vindictors are, and we'll cover it a little bit later, extraordinarily good for what it is that you're purchasing. Yes. They are well and truly Liberator Plus. And they are Redeemer units. They do have the re- Redeemer they do have keyword. have the Redeemer keyword. Okay, so this would apply for them. Now, just as a frame of reference, Ogres, their models count as two, correct? Yes. Okay, so this is a little bit better than that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, ogres have more wounds, but have a worse off save. Sure. So, you know, yeah, sequiturs, liberators, vanquishers, and vindictors are things that are redeemer units. Okay. Uh, Judicators are not. And, I mean, okay, fine. All of the things that are your baseline battle line units that you want to be taking anyways that are quite good. They're redeemers. Right. Yep. If you take a unit of 15 Vindictors... It's 45. That's 45 models worth of capture. Hey, Giant, I can contest. Yeah, you got to get them within Good six luck moving inches. that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think there is a good and meaningful trade-off between the two that you end up having to select, you know, because obviously there are some other rules here, but the Signs of the Storm have an excellent delivery system of a relatively slow army, mm-hmm. but the Stormkeep armies are very, very grindy and slow and purposeful. Okay. Oh, so excellent. You're going to see both, I think, is the important trigger to this. Cool. That creates a thought. I mean, when we share about our overall view of the book, that's really cool that we have both those choices. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to talk about all the initial command traits because we're talking about enhancements now and that's another way this is different than the old books is we have this section called enhancements which are all the things that you can add or if you take a certain battalion you can add an extra enhancement those kind of things so we're going to start with the command traits and there's four of them and we're going to actually talk about all four of these brendan sure why don't you pick one and and i'll take another one i have generally picked out the Stormkeep stuff as being interesting you do get the option specifically at staunch defender if you are playing that, so you can take Staunch Defender, which allows you to reroll the dice that determines the number of mortal wounds caused to an enemy unit by a friendly Stormkeeper Deemer unit. That's the Shield of Civilization battle trait, if that friendly unit is wholly within 12 inches of the general. Okay. It's fine. I don't think it's something that you're going to be taking. This is just an option that you can take because there's a pairing on the other side, Dan, Shock and Awe, that you can mm-hmm. only take if you are Science of the storm okay i'll talk about that one that's shock and awe if your army's a scions of the storm army and the general's on the battlefield at the end of your movement phase subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target friendly scions of the storm units that were set up in that phase until the end of that turn okay minus one to hit that's never a bad thing and obviously you're going to be deep striking a lot of stuff probably will so this just gives them a little bit more resiliency yeah not bad yeah, that's not bad at all. And it's anywhere on the board, too. It yes. doesn't have to be... Yeah, as long as your general's alive and that unit's set up, they are minus one to be hit until the end of the phase of that turn. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty good. And it's on all the time and whatever. So, Coolio. How about another one? What do you think? So this is where, you know, we'll kind of start tilting things towards a competitive okay. identification. The Master of the Celestial Menagerie. Mm. If this general is a monster and is on the battlefield, subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target friendly Stormcast Eternal monsters. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> there is a unit that we're going to talk about that has the monster keyword. Many yes. of you probably already know it because, you know, we're not doing the first ever Battle Tome review. Yes. But we're going to be kind of putting the case together for why some of this is as scary as it is. 
Yeah. But just keep this one in mind. Your general's a monster, and all of your friendly Stormcast monsters are minus one to be wounded in melee. It's not hit. That's wound. So, yeah. Yeah. Nuts. And then, Dan, the last one. Now, just real quick. Mm-hmm. You could combine that with shock and awe if your monster's in a science. If you drop down that turn. Yes. Right. So you could be minus one to hit and to wound. You'd be oh. minus one to hit for... Well, no, because these are two command traits. Right, you can't take more than one. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Typical Dan gets excited about something. and it's If like, you could take two command traits, yes. Brendan is like, reality check. Reality but check. specifically, in terms of rules of the game, while you can take multiple enhancements, you cannot take multiple command traits. Yep. Okay. Envoy of the Heavens is the last command trait here. If a friendly Stormcast, any Stormcast model, is slain within 12 inches of this general, you can add one to save rolls for attacks that target the slain model's unit until the end of that phase. Same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per turn. Yeah, not a fan of that one because it's it requires you to plan on your unit on your unit losing models. <laughs> yeah. And in an army that's already elite, having things die probably not the best No. Yeah. Not the best strategy to <laughs> build your army around or pick your trait. No. Okay. So out of these four, which one, if you have to pick one, are you picking? I would be ranking it in the order of Master of the Celestial Menagerie, specific to a kind of list, Mm -hmm. Shock and Awe, specific to a kind of list. Mm -hmm. And then in third place, I would actually go into the general traits that are in the core rules. Okay, gotcha. Because you have some ones in there that make some of your characters better at doing what they do, more so than what you have listed here. For instance, the reroll prayer command trait. Right. That would be yes. pretty useful. That would be nice. On some characters we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. That'd be really great. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to move on to artifacts, and we're going to, as we typically do, do one out of three of each one of these. Yeah. So what's different here is all of the tables have been trimmed down. Yes. So we have three weapons, three armor, three artifacts, where normally we'd be talking about having to pick from 18. <laughs> I really like seeing this from you know kind of a streamlining of rule standpoints because again, how many books have we read where we just go, I like one of them, the other five are junk. Yeah, like sure. Yeah, so Dan, why don't you tell me what your first favorite weapon is? I like Blade of the Heroes. Okay, Blade of Heroes. Uh, pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. You can reroll hit rolls for attacks made with that weapon that targets a hero or a monster. With all the monsters that you see running around now, it doesn't matter. I think that's a very useful trait to have. And if you're adding one, you know, you've got a pretty beefy hero or uh, general and or whoever it is that you're giving the weapon to. You know, going after a monster, that's not a bad one to have. Because mm-hmm. you can not only re-roll hit rolls, it doesn't say ones, re-roll all your hit rolls. You could also give them all at attacks, so you're not only adding one to your hits, you're re-rolling hits. So you could pretty easily on a lot of these guys be two off re-rolling, which is really good. Yeah. It almost guarantees a hit. I like that one. As far as me, the I don't super love any of these in particular. Mm-hmm. The army, I feel, revolves around a lot of support characters yes. for the most part oh, that allow your army to buff up and do all of that. You know, the Blade of Heroes makes a ton of sense, especially if you have kind of a, a duelist, you know, kind of hero that you've tooled mm-hmm. out to go do some damage. But I think maybe one to consider is the Fang of Dracothian. Okay. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If any wounds caused by attacks with that weapon are allocated to an enemy model, that enemy model suffers one mortal wound at the end of each turn. Mm, okay. Chip damage. It's one mortal wound, though. Yeah. It's not one for each wound. It's just one no, mortal wound. just one mortal wound okay. at the end of each turn. But... I mean, we both can attest to the fact that we've had, especially big, I know when my 
uh, big models that we've tried to attack. More than once when I was playing Nick in that one game, he had his a Stonehorn survive by one wound, and it would have been nice to be able to put another mortal on Well, it's not, that's not even just that. What this reads right. as is you take a mortal wound every turn if you've taken any wounds. Right. So if I do damage to you in somewhere in battle round two, for the rest of the game, you're taking a wound at the end of every turn. And so that's something that you have to just kind of worry about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. If you do something early, that could be an extra nine or ten mortal wounds if you go the whole game, yeah. So that's a legacy kind of a, a thing that happens. Okay. Yeah. Do we have armor? What about your choice for that? I actually quite like all three of them mm-hmm. in different contexts. Mm-hmm. The one that I think most people are going to take is mirror shield. Mm-hmm. The bearer cannot be picked as the target of a shooting attack unless the attacking unit is within nine inches of the bearer. So that removes the ability for Caradron overlords to fly high and drop down and shoot you because mm-hmm. they are outside of nine. Lumineth cannot pick you as a target because you are outside of nine. You mm-hmm. have to get up close to this model to shoot it. Yep. And if you put that on the right character, you don't want to be close to that model anyways. <laughs> so I'm, that is my choice, Brendan. I, mm-hmm. Just because of the, you know, how prolific shooting has become, I think that's just an excellent, excellent way to make sure that a very important model in, in your army is going to survive. A lot of resiliency there. How about the artifacts? That's the last one here. Yeah, these are interesting because they're all once per battle. And I think there's a place for all of them. But you have to have a specific plan for any given one of them. I think the Luckstone is interesting. Mm-hmm. Once per battle, before you make a hit or wound roll for an attack made by the bearer, a save roll for an attack that targets the bearer, or a runner or charge roll for the bearer, you can say that the bearer will draw upon the power of the Luckstone. If you do so, instead of making the roll, you must choose the result of the roll. The result chosen for a d6 roll must be a whole number. I like that they had to put that in there. Yeah. From 1 to 6, and the roll must and, uh, and the result chosen for a 2d6 roll must be a whole number from 2 to 12. The result cannot be re-rolled, but any modifiers are applied to to it as normal it's that's really good though i mean it's once per battle but Mm -hmm. guaranteeing a charge for example Ooh, i'm archeon for a turn (laughs) so fate dice it it kind of functions that way doesn't it i mean that's kind of the mechanic it is a much tinier version of fate dice, but the mechanic is the same in terms of that where you're picking a specific results correct very good i like that one but we've also got a character we're going to talk about uh, I think we're going to talk about mm-hmm. him, uh, that has almost the exact same rule. I kind of like the Obsidian Amulet just because of all the magic that's rolling around. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say the bearer will raise their Obsidian Amulet. If you do so, ignore the effects of spells, the abilities of endless spells on the bearer until your next hero phase. Yeah, the only reason I don't love that one too much is it's yes. specifically the bearer. Unless you know that that character is so crucial to the function of your army, mm-hmm. and you know that the sole weakness of it is spells and endless spells there's a time and a place for it i think this is the one that's the most limited in scope because the rest of your army is still vulnerable to the same results then we're going to move on to spells Mm -hmm. and as usual we're going to pick two out of six i think a lot of these are good i agree (laughs) yeah it was tough to pick two but there are some that are better uh, than others i think a good number of them i think they all have a place don't you yes i I really do so i'll pick the first one Mm -hmm. Uh, celestial blades to me is kind of a no-brainer it's so hard to find plus one to wound rolls in this book anywhere. So Celestial Blades is a spell. It has a casting value of five, which is very reasonable. Range of 12 if the caster is a knight, or 18 if it's a lord or a draconith. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Stormcast Eternals unit wholly within range, visible to the caster, and one to wound rolls. 
for attacks made with melee weapons. That's all melee weapons. By that unit until the end of your next hero phase. It's yeah, pretty good. I like that. I mean, that could be for an entire turn since it's your next hero phase. Mm-hmm. Or it could be for a whole battle round. Because if you're going at the top, it's through your enemies. Yeah. Battle round as well, or their turn. So very nice. What about you, Brendan? How about one for you? Uh, Starfall is an interesting one. It's a spell of casting value of five. So pretty low, very easy to get. Range of 12 inches. Uh, if the caster is a knight, or 18 inches if the caster is a lord or draconeth. If successfully cast, pick one point on the battlefield within range and visible to the caster. Roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of that point. On a three up, that unit cannot make pylon moves until the end of that turn. Wow. Now, this is limited to just your turn, but it allows you to set up some pretty favorable combats Sure. In within the right pairing. That's similar to one of the things that the... Uh Wild Piper does, right? Mm-hmm. With his uh, Plague Bearers or whatever it is that they can't pile in. I don't know. I kind of like Lightning Blast. Okay. Lightning Blast is a spell that has a casting value of five. If successfully cast, closest enemy unit that is visible to the caster suffers D3 mortal wounds. But if more than one enemy unit visible to the caster is equally close, you can pick which unit is affected by the spell. I know it's only D3 mortals, but it's only a casting value of five. And maybe, you know, there's something that you can pick off. It's kind of like a sniper spell is what it is to me i kind of like that d3 mortals d3 mortals yeah go ahead what do you think what's your second choice the thundershock okay casting value of a six range Mm -hmm. of 12 if it's a knight 18 if it's a lord or draconeth if successfully cast roll a dice for each enemy unit within range and visible the caster so that is an 18 inch bubble Mm -hmm. radius (laughs) 36 diameter plus the size (laughs) of the model true Roll a dice for each enemy unit within range and visible the caster on a three up, subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made by that unit until oh. your next hero phase. That's really good. That's excellent. That's really, really good. That's <laughs> amazing. And what you can do is you can pair that with spell portal, cast the portal upfield, obviously. Your caster is casting from the the other one that's that's near you. And then it's eighteen inches from the other end of the spell portal. Wow. Good luck escaping that. Mm-hmm. Your whole army being minus one to wound. Crazy. And if you pair that with the command trait minus two, so you're ignoring a plus one if someone were to have that. And you know, as we've talked about before, modifications to wound rolls is one of the rarer things in the game. So Yes, it's very rare. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about all the prayers. There are three of them. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the one that has the most potential to be... <laughs> to be dirty it's it's translocation mm-hmm. and it's a prayer that has an answer value of three easily get that to a two with some of your heroes we're going to talk about and a range of nine inches if the caster is a a chanter's a knight 12 inches if it's a lord if answered pick one friendly stormcast eternals unit it can be any anything that you've got on the board that's the Stormcast. Stormcast. Unit wholly within range, invisible to the Chanter. You can remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again anywhere in the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. You're doing this during the hero phase. Mm-hmm. So the question is, Brendan, and we're hoping for an answer. Normally, when you do some kind of a translocation or you drop in or whatever, it's at the end of the movement phase. So it counts as your normal move. Yes. This does not specify that this counts as a normal move. Correct. So that has some crazy shenanigans possibilities so at present yes rules rules as written yes you could take is you you and i were talking before you could take a unit of 15 vindictors move them within nine inches they could move their normal movement and easily be within range to charge something right so this is in pairing with the storm keep as present right, right. you know you 
you take those 15 vindictors and thankfully they don't count as 45 and stuff that's outside of your territory until battle round three. But 15 vindictors is still pretty beefy. Yeah. As, as we'll talk about, that's 15 models on a three-up save with two wounds apiece. Yeah. That you can easily make a two-up, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I saw obviously if you're a Stormcast player, you're hoping this stays as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do this during your hero phase, not counting as a movement. But we'll see. What are your thoughts on where do you think that's going to fall? What do you think they're going to do? I mean, this would be unprecedented in mm-hmm. terms of you know an application of a rule. Mm-hmm. So moving off of what we know and what is existing out in the game, mm-hmm. I would expect it to be, you know, cannot move, you know, in the following movement phase. Right. That would be my guess. Okay. But... This could be written as intended. Okay. Yep. And if it is, you know, we'll deal with it for what it is. Yeah. Fine. Make sure you take a priest. Right. (laughs) Everyone is going to be taking a Lord Relictor. No doubt. Everybody. (laughs) The next one is Bless Weapons. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah. Answer value of three. uh, Range of 12 inches if a knight. 18 if it's a lord. Pick one friendly Stormcast Eternals units wholly within range. Invisible the Chancer. Until your next hero phase, the unmodified hit roll of attack made... By that unit is a six. It scores two hits on the target instead of one. Okay. Make a wound and save roll for each Exploding hit. Exploding sixes. Yep. Well, it's always a beautiful thing if you yeah. can get it. You know, it's so it's a beautiful thing. Pretty good. Just as conversation here, this is where if you've got a unit that has some other special rule, like mortal wounds on a six or whatever, now you have to make a choice. Yes. Okay. You don't get both. This is one that you would maybe, if you got something that explodes, that does mortals on sixes, you might not want to prayer this onto that unit because they've already got... Unless for some reason you would prefer to be doing the actual shots as right. opposed to mortal, mortal wounds. wounds. And then we have Divine Light is the last one. Mm-hmm. It has an answer... Value of three. These all have answer values of three, so very reasonable to get off. And a range of 12 if the Chanter's a knight, 18 if it's a lord. If answered, pick one enemy unit within range of visible the caster. You can re-roll hit rolls of one for attacks that target that unit in your next hero phase. Great stuff. Hey, these are all good. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with any of these. No, certainly not. <laughs> these are all very, very good prayers. Yeah, combine that with that plus one to hit. You're re-rolling ones on two ups to hit, so poof. Crazy stuff. All right, let's go to mount traits, and we're going to pick two of these. So a number of these are limited you know, to specific keywords only. Yes. I'd say the first one I like is Celestial Instincts. This unit can retreat and still e- either shoot or charge in the same turn. Oh, man, I love that. I mean, that's just pretty useful overall. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. What's your I, first I kind of like the etheric swiftness. Um, this is for Griff Chargers, Dracoth, or Dracoline units only. Units eligible to fight in the combat phases if it's within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three, and it can move an extra three when it piles in. This is kind of like the zombie thing, mm-hmm. you know, where if you get close enough, you don't have to charge in order to get into combat. So if you can get close enough, would that not avoid, since you're not making a charge move, unleash hell? You're not yeah. making a charge move. Okay, yeah. so you can prevent your unit from getting shot as it's coming in. Correct. Yeah, so I like that. Yeah, like it's that. not bad. Yeah. So what's your second one? Thunderous Presence, Draconith oh, only. Yeah. <laughs> you can choose this ability instead of carrying out a monstrous rampage uh, with this unit. Pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a dice. On a three-up, that unit cannot receive commands in the following Battleshock phase. Mm-hmm. So you can pair that with 
another unit of monsters that you know we'll maybe talk about here at some point that also carry out a monstrous action where they roar, making that unit unable to receive command abilities in the combat phase, and then also in the battle shock phase with this model. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, just theoretically, not being able to use command points. It's a pretty big deal. Especially on key units. Now, obviously, the workaround in that is Hunters of the Heartland. If there's an army that, you know, just kind of just says, well, I have as many command abilities and command points as I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. You know, I've always got one in my pocket for, you know, inspiring presence. Then, mm-hmm. okay, but here this is a three up and you can work your way through uh, a unit like that with okay. relative ease. Cool. All right, the next, the last thing we have here in enhancements is unique enhancements, and these are command abilities. Yes, so, so you can, when you pick a Stormcast Eternals army, you can pick one of the following command abilities to use during a battle. I believe that you cannot select multiples of these, even if you get you know, the ability to take additional enhancements, because these are listed as unique enhancements. Right. It says you can pick one. Mm-hmm. It, it specifies one. Right, because there's a presently an argument where if you get the ability to take another enhancement, can you take another one of these? Okay. I believe that this is underneath the unique enhancement rule where you can only ever have one. Okay. We're going to do two of these listeners mm-hmm. as we have because there's six of them. Thunderbolt volley for me. Especially, I mean, if you've got shooting units, and we'll talk about some specifically, you can use this ability once per battle in your hero phase. Command can only be issued by friendly knight to unit holy within 12 or 18 of a lord or draconith that unit receives a command must be a friendly justicar or angelos unit that unit can shoot in the hero face pretty good yeah now it's not uh shooty snakes you can't do it every turn but man you could really rip something apart if you have enough shooting and you have that shooty unit that you're you're trying to target things with that would be you're almost guaranteeing you're going to take something off the board brendan yeah, if you use that, so it's pretty good. Um, how about you? What do you have? Another one? The steadfast march. You can use this command ability once per battle at the start of your movement phase. The command can only be issued by a friendly knight to unit holy within twelve, or by a lord or draconith to unit holy within eighteen inches of mm-hmm. them. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly stormcast eternal unit until your next hero phase. The unit can run and still charge later in the turn. The downside is is you can't six the run as a result of this. Yes, unless you're also using a luck stone and. Oof. Talk about a big important spend if that's the direction that you're going. Sure, but it allows you run in charge on a key unit. I like un- unleash thy hatred. Uh, you can it's limited, of course. Again, twelve inches for knights, eighteen inches for lords or draconith. That unit receives the command must be a friendly paladin's unit, so it is limited. Add one to the attacks characteristics of that unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. Yeah, okay. Profiles, I'll take it. You know, I'll take that extra attack. On a unit of five guys, whatever it is, could be a lot of damage potential. Mm-hmm. So, and it is only once per battle. All these are once per battle. So, yep. My last one is call for aid. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolt volley is one of my picks, but we have some <laughs> some other ones here to talk about. Uh, once per battle, you pick a friendly redeemer unit with five or fewer models that is destroyed. Pick one Stormcast Eternal Hero on the battlefield. A new replacement unit is identical to the unit that was destroyed and added to your army. Set up that unit wholly within twelve inches of that hero and more than nine from all enemy units. Mm. Wow. You know, pretty good. Some free points. Yeah. And in the lead army, that's a lot of points, and, typically. And depending on what you're trying to do. It could be very useful. Yeah. Sure. All right. 
So that is all of our enhancements. Mm -hmm. Next up is actually moving through the Stormhost. So we're going to pick four total of Mm -hmm. the eight. Mm -hmm. So Dan's going to pick two and I'm going to pick two. And we're going to talk about those. Okay. So I think the first one, you know, the Golden Boys, the Poster Boys, the Hammers of Sigmar, we cannot fail. Friendly Hammers of Sigmar units, wholly within 12 inches of an objective, have a ward of a six plus. Pairing that with the fact that that makes battle line of Dracothian Guard in your army pretty good uh, because Dracothian Guard are pretty good right now. So I think that's my first one out out of the gate. Nice. I think my first choice is the Celestial Vindictors, Vindicators. Mm-hmm. And at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Celestial Vindicators unit. They made a charge move. So your next hero phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by a melee weapon by that unit is six, that hit explodes. So you get two hits instead of one. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Yep. There are other ways. I like that. I know there are other ways to get that. There's some units where that's built in, or you could do a prayer. But the fact that that's your, it's army wide, I think gives you a lot of flexibility with that, and really enhances the striking power of a lot of your units. My second pick is the Knights Excelsior, specifically because of what becomes battle line in Knights Excelsior, which is mm. all of the paladins, Oof. which are your protectors, your decimators your retributors, and your annihilators. All Mm -hmm. those become battle line. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily good, but it is something that I think creates a really fun army visually. Mm -hmm. But the rule that they get is once per turn at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Knight's Excelsior Paladin unit on the battlefield until the end of that phase when you pick that unit to fight. Pick one enemy unit within one inch of that unit. If the number of models in that enemy unit is greater than the number of models in that paladin unit, which it will be, add one hit and wound rolls for attacks made by that paladin's unit that targets that enemy unit until the end of that phase. Okay. It's a fine rule. You know, it it makes one unit really good every combat phase. Sure. Neat. Like that. Okay. Your last one, Dan? Yeah. So Astral Templars, friendly Astral Templars units cannot be picked when your opponent carries out a monstrous rampage. So the entire army... Is functions like hunters. And the thing that you get for being Astro Templars in terms of battle line is your Vanguard Hunters and Paladors. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, Brendan. So that's it for the Storm Hosts. And now we're going to go to what is going to become typical and part of every single battle tome, which is strategies, tactics, and core battalions that are specific to that army. Yeah, and so you and I had had a discussion on this uh, before where... You really did not like this in principle. Yeah. Again, in principle, before we started talking about it, what I saw was an army that has a new book has got six extra battle tactics or four or whatever it is, while another army only has eight, and now you've got 14, that gives you a lot more flexibility. Yeah. And that's the way I saw it initially. And when you bring it into closer inspection, you will see that any given army that you build is really only picking up maybe one or two grand strategies that they're eligible for, Mm -hmm. maybe. Some are going to be eligible for zero, in all honesty. And then when you look at your battle tactics, you're probably picking up about two more that you're eligible for. Now, some of them are you're going to be able to pick up like four, and that's... That's significant difference. Right. Okay. Kind of a mixed review, then, we're going to say on this, Mm -hmm. having these extra ones. Yeah, I think for kind of your average army, it's not a big deal. You know, this is no different than, like, somebody getting a white dwarf supplement. (laughs) Right. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah, sure. 
you know, that makes sense. There's a couple of core battalions in here. You pick up a couple of battle tactics that some of your builds are going to be able to use, but sure. you know, you're not going to be able to use most of them. Okay. So in terms of the new grand strategies, though, uh, the first one is Dracothian Defiance. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if the only heroes on the battlefield are friendly Draconith, Stardrake, or Dracoth units. Okay. You got to be pretty specific in your army. That's and it also means that. If you took heroes that are not those, they have to die. Yeah. Or you fail your grand strategy. Sure. Kind of an interesting choice. Yeah. The next one is Pillars of Victory. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if the only battle line units in the battlefield are friendly redeemer units. Now, this one seems kind of weird to me unless all of your battle line units in your army are redeemers. Yes. That's fine. But if they're not, it's they the same They also have to die. It, you know, and if they're not, why would you not pick hold the line? Right. You know, where it doesn't matter. It, it, for me, picking between this and hold the line, I'd always pick hold the line. The difference is, though, right. is this is the only battle line units on the battlefield are friendly right. redeemer units. Yep. So your opponent can have no battle line units and you only have redeemer. You're better off with hold the line. Right. I think in most cases that that's the better choice. Yeah. Okay. And so then the last, the last one. one is Sacred Charge. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are two or more friendly Cities of Sigmar units on the battlefield. Well, that's pretty specific again. Right. Well, you, <laughs> yeah. You have either allied in two Cities of Sigmar units as a Scions army, mm-hmm. or you are playing a Stormkeep army. Yeah. So, right. So, in principle, when we're looking at the grand strategies versus the other things, by having this book, you've not really gained some grand competitive advantage no, no. over the existing options that you have currently. Right. So we'll step over into battle tactics. Yep. The first one is Pioneers of the Realm. You complete this tactic if all of the objectives wholly within your opponent's territory are contested by friendly Cities of Sigmar units at the end of this turn. Okay. Well, you better take Cities of Sigmar if you're, if you're going to want this as an option. If you have no cities... <laughs> you can't use it. Can't use it's it. It's done. You know, uh, next, right? The, the next one, again, is... Unit specific. No challenge too great. You complete this battle tactic if an enemy hero is slain by wounds caused by an attack made with melee weapons by a friendly redeemer unit during this turn. So it has to be a redeemer unit and you have to kill a hero. Yeah. That's pretty... Unless that would be more of a target of opportunity that you Mm -hmm. see something sitting out there, somebody did something really stupid, or you deep struck and you could get in there uh, to kill something. Otherwise, but that's still... It's still very risky. Yeah, especially if you don't have translocation to get know you're going to get in there that close man that you got to roll some dice and so i would never and it's got to be a melee weapon yep you cannot yep. kill it with shooting well one there's no redeemer shooting units yep oh, okay. uh, but number two like if you kill it with blaze of glory by accident doesn't count doesn't count yep. uh, so next up is hammer strike assault pick one hero in your opponent's starting army that is on the battlefield that has a wounds characteristic of 10 or more and that has zero wounds allocated to it you complete this tactic if that hero is slain during this turn so every army has access to this one. Yes. You know, because your opponent has to have at least one hero. For Stormcast, and we're going to talk about some specific units, mm-hmm. some units in here have the potential to kill something with 12 or 16 wounds. Yeah, no problem. Uh, no problem. So this one is relatively low risk if you can position yourself to get that unit in there. Mm-hmm. And if you know you're going to do that, this is, yeah, this one's very doable. Yes. Yep. Okay, uh, Lightning Shattered Morale. 
Pick one unit in your opponent's starting army is on the battlefield that has a bravery characteristic of 10 or more. <laughs> 10 or more. Oh my god. You complete this tact if any models in that unit flee during this turn. Again, Brendan, man, you... <laughs> It, you have to have very specific circumstances to have this happen. I mean, that's going to be tough. You have to, number one, have an enemy that has a 10 bravery characteristic unit. Number two, you have to declare it. So your opponent goes, okay, <laughs> I'm going to set one command point aside. <laughs> yes, right. Now, this is where if you have the mount trait that lets you force the enemy to be unable to use command abilities in the Battleshock phase, sure. fine. But as long as that unit has a unit champion and they have a command point... Yep. You can't do this. Like, okay, well, yeah. you know, every army can technically do this. Fine. Yep. In principle. Yeah. But the target is not always necessarily <laughs> It's going to cooperate <laughs> with you. Yeah. This one, again, is risky. I think this is a risky one. Yeah. Next up is Draconith Destruction. Pick one unit in your opponent's starting army that is on the battlefield and has 10 or more starting models. You complete this tactic if that unit is destroyed by wounds caused by attacks made by friendly Draconith, Stardrake, or Drakoth units during this turn. So you have to have those three war scrolls to be able to do this one. Mm-hmm. So your army has to be built in that way to do it. Yes. Then the last one is Matter of Honor. Pick one monster in your opponent's starting army is on the battlefield. You complete this tact if that unit is destroyed by wounds caused by attacks made by friendly Draconith or Star Drake units during that turn. So right now, going through these six, there is none that you pick up automatically by existing. Your list construction affords you uh, two specifically if you have Star Drakes, Draconiths, or Dracolines. Uh, or well, really... Two, if you have Draconiths or Stardrakes, fine. Like, and that's really one of the only ones you control in any meaningful way. Ten or more models. Yeah. Like, you could just take a unit of ten skeletons and just mulch it. Fine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. No problem. But in the first one, you have to have Cities of Sigmar units. Enough to control all of the objectives in your opponent's territory. Well, there might not be missions where there are objectives in your opponent's territory. Yep. Yeah. You know, the next one is... Kill a hero in melee with redeemer units. Okay, well, if you didn't bring redeemer units, you can't use that one. Hammer strike assault. Wounds characteristic of 10 or more. There are armies that don't bring heroes with 10 wounds or more. Right. Night haunt, for example. (laughs) If you're playing a night haunt army, you You can't can't pick that one up. You know, lightning shattered morale. Well, okay, that army has bravery characteristic of 10. If your opponent has a command point, or if you're playing bone reapers, for instance, (laughs) they don't battle shock. You're not in control of that one. Right. And then the next two are army construction based, you know, the first of which is your opponent has to have units of 10 or more. Well, if you're playing another Stormcast army, they might not have units of 10 or more. They might have constructed an army that is MSU, uh, multiple small units. And the last one is pick a monster in your opponent's starting army. Well, that army might not have monsters in it. That's true. So so to me, Dan, when we're looking at these, these are not big pickups, right? Right. Having a battle tome doesn't give you some big advantage in in terms of the flexibility you have. uh, In principle, it does. From a practical standpoint, we're saying it doesn't necessarily. These are going to be nice and situational, and the fact that you have the expanded opportunity is going to be good and be helpful. Mm -hmm. But in the consideration of what that's going to mean in every single one of your games... Yeah. Probably not much. And likely you're not going to build an army around one of these, mm-hmm. right? It's just It would be happenstance that you happen to have all Redeemers or some Draconiths or yeah. something else. You have access to it. You can use it. Cool. These are battle tactics of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. On to the core battalions. We have three core battalions. We have a Redemption Brotherhood, which is three mandatory troops, three optional troops. And what you get for that is one drop deployment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're taking a lot of troops, you can get a one drop there. 
Yeah. All right. Quite like that one. Yep. Then you have the Brotherhood Command, which is two leaders and mandatory and optional leader as the third one and three mandatory troop choices. This would be something you would really only be taking because it gives you strategist, which is an extra command point. Mm. If you're looking to work around the command entourage or the warlord battalion specifically, sure, where you don't have as many heroes, but you have an abundance of troops. Okay. Then the last one is Soul Strike Brotherhood. This is two mandatory troops, an optional troop, and then one artillery and two optional artillery. And what this does is once per battle, one unit from the battalion can receive the all-out attack or unleash hell command without the command being issued, without a command point being spent. Okay. So if you put in three ballistae or three giant bows or whatever it is, there you go, or two, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could use this. Again, I really am enjoying the way this is all rolling out because none of these are overwhelming. None of these give you some massive competitive advantage. Right. They give you some little thing that'll help your army play better or do well, but it's not going to just blow your opponents away because you pick one or more of these. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, my friend. So listeners, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the new War Scrolls first, and then we're going to pick eventually during the podcast here the ones that are of interest to us. We've got 19, that's still a lot, 19 new War Scrolls. Which is a battle tome in and of itself in <laughs> yes. many instances. And so we're going to hit those. We may take a break partway through this for our, you know, and go into part two then. For our own sanity. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll come back and finish up the rest of the stuff. So, Brendan, the first two we have on the list are the two new dragons. Do you want to take the fighting dragon or the wizard dragon, Dan? I'll take the wizard guy. Okay. This seemed to be appropriate. So this is Krondis, son of Dracothian, and has... Let's talk about tables, since these are new battle tomes. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing in the new battle tomes is the tables have been consolidated. Format-wise, that's what we've got. Anything that's a monster is four bars. Right. There are things like Catacros and Glutos that that may extend beyond that, but... And ones that might just be three bars. Right. But what we see in this book, and it could be indicative of nothing potentially, is that it's all four. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a move from 14 to 8, 18 wounds, 3 up save, 10 bravery. And he has a shooting attack, which is a range of 18, 1 attack. And this is Blazing Tempest. It's typical of all dragons. And whenever you... If you've got a dragon unit, it's going to have a breath weapon like this. And it's always going to be 18 inches. You roll a dice and... One or two, one mortal, three or four, D3 mortals, five or six, D6 mortals. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of, it's very swingy, but still it's mortal wounds. It is what it is. Sure. We got the Apex Maw, which is four attacks, two inch range on this one, three to hit, and one up to four up to wound, two ren, three damage. Pretty good still. Four attacks. You have Drake Lord's Talons, which is one inch, three attacks. Uh, three by three is minus two, two damage. And then you have the Calamitous Tail, which is a rule. The attack's characteristic of Calamitous Tail is equal to the number of enemy models within three inches of the attacking model. Okay. These are all three by three, minus two rend, two damage. So it's all pretty high damage. Not yeah. bad. Not bad stuff. Special rules. So Krondus is the wizard. He can attempt to cast two spells and unbind two spells. He can fly. He is the ancient master of war. Subtract one from attack characteristics of melee weapons that target this unit. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Very nice. And then the Regalia Fulmentaris, we'll say. Yeah. Okay, add the Regalia Fulmentaris value shown on the table. It goes from 
plus three to my to plus zero to the damage table to casting rolls for this unit. So right off the bat, he has a plus three to cast. Yep. Pretty nice. And that's for his first eight wounds that he takes is, <laughs> right. is plus three. And then, then after he takes half his wounds or about half his wounds, he's still a plus two. We have Atavistic Tempest. And this is a spell that has a casting value of nine. But so you're pretty glad that you have the three, the plus three to the casting. <laughs> Otherwise, role. and you're not techless. Has a range of 24 inches. Pick one enemy unit within range of visible to the caster. Then pick one of the effects below. That effect lasts until your next hero phase. So the first one is subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit. The next one is worse than the Ren characteristic by one. The next one, subtract one from attack characteristics of missile weapons. That's pretty nice. And then subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit. Those are all really useful, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're within 24 inches of a, a really good shooting unit. And that unit's only got, or it's got two attacks normally. Cutting those in half, that can make a huge difference in damage can. output. A 50% reduction in output is huge. It's pretty good. So that's not bad at all. And you're casting, at least if he's not wounded, on a six. Yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, like him. Very cool. But he's 600 points. And when we talk about other things, we'll see. (laughs) Right. If it's a dragon-themed army, definitely I would be taking one of these. Mm -hmm. Or both, what the hell. And him and the other dragon have the Thunderstrike keyword, Mm -hmm. so when they die, they do mortal wounds on five ups instead of six ups based on their profile. So you can expect to do... You know, another six mortal wounds on the way out the door. On the blow if, up, yeah. if you're in combat. Sure. So why don't you talk about the punchy guy? Yeah, Karazai the Scarred is theoretically your combat character. Movement 14 down to 8. 3 up save, bravery 10, 18 wounds. Blazing Tempest, same as Krondus. He has the Annihilating Jaws, which is 2-inch range, 6 attacks. 3 up by 1 up, which goes down to 4 up on the table to wound. Rend 3, damage 3. No, not bad. <laughs> Runus Talons, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, Rend 2, damage 2. Mm-hmm. And the Calamitous Tail, same as Krondus, exactly where it's number of models within 3 inches. 3-up, mm-hmm. three 3-up, three Rend 2, damage 2. He also has the Ancient Master of War. And then the one thing that makes him substantially different is each time this unit destroys an enemy unit, you can apply the relevant effect below. <laughs> If the enemy unit was a hero or monster, add one to the attacks characteristics caused by this unit for the rest of the battle, which is pretty good because that's its whole profile. So that would be, you know, jaws plus one, talons plus one, and then tail models plus one. Not bad. If the enemy unit has a wounds characteristic of three or more and was not a monster or hero, add one to the run and charge rolls for this unit for the rest of the battle. Okay. Well, you want to get him in, stuck in, so. Yeah, it's fine. Not bad. The unit has... Wounds characteristics of two or less, you can heal one wound allocated to this unit. Okay. Fine. Fair. Whatever. Yep. Next up is Indrasta. Oh, I love the model. I always want to get this just to try to paint the wings, but it's also a frightening prospect because you <laughs> want it to look so good. You want it to look this good, as it does in the model. She's very cool. Uh, so, Brenda, you want to talk about her? Yeah. So, uh, Indrasta is very interesting in that she doesn't have a subfaction keyword. Mm-hmm. which is important and that you can include her in any of the sub-factions and pick up any of the sub-faction relevance abilities, unlike a lot of the other heroes, which are primarily Hammers of Sigmar. So Indrasta is 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 10, 8 wounds. She has a shooting attack, then Gavar, 18-inch range, 1 attacks, 2s by 2s, Ren 2, damage D6. And then she has the Blade of the High Heavens, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 2s, Ren 2, damage 3. She flies, as one would expect with wings like that. (laughs) She is the Prime Huntress, 
If any enemy monsters are within three inches of this unit, add ten to the number of wounds suffered by <laughs> those monsters. So sweet. When determining which row on their damage table to uh, use. I love that. So there is a good FAQ out there that explains her interaction with things that have you fight at the top of your table. Mm-hmm. And this is effectively because her rule is applied after you would do the fight at the top table rule. Mm. This is more recent, and so it doesn't matter that you want to fight at the top table. You're back to wherever you are, mm. plus 10. Okay. Um, yeah. Which which takes you down typically at least one, possibly two oh, rows yeah. on some. Yeah, On a lot of them, it takes yeah. you way down. But you do have to be keyworded monster. So mm-hmm. if you do have tables and you are not a monster, then this would have no effect on you. Sure. She's the champion of Sigmar, has a ward save of four up. So that makes her a three up, four up. Nice. Pretty good. Yep. Once per turn in your hero phase, she can use Dazzling Radiance and is on the battlefield. You can return one slain model to each friendly Stormcast Eternals unit with a wounds characteristic of three or less that is wholly within 12 inches of this unit. That's pretty excellent, meaning that you can get Annihilators and Paladins back. Yeah. It's huge, yep. And then Hawk of the Celestial Skies. Do not take Battleshock tests for family Stormcast Eternal units and Cities of Sigmar units wholly within 12 inches of this unit. She is literally a support character. Yes. Where you need to, But you need to get her stuck in, too, for her to be effective here. You, you really I, It's do. part of it. You want her to pick and choose her fights. Yep. Because she is only an eight-wound character. Yep. She needs to be close, Brendan, mm-hmm. to what she's supporting. Oh, yeah. She can't Wholly be within 12 up. inches, though, is, yeah. you know... For both. Is that meaningful. dazzling radiance that you read and, and then this one yeah. is wholly within 12. So, yeah, she, it's just a beautiful looking model. And four attacks, threes by twos, ren two, damage three is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You do an all-out attack, your twos and twos, ren two, damage three. That'll get, get you pretty far. Yeah, no kidding. Solid. Excellent. Solid hero hunter. Excellent. Um, yep. Better monster hunter. Yep, absolutely. And Very then cool. I assume you want to talk <laughs> about Bastion? Yeah, Bastion Carthalos. He's the Lord Commander of the Lightning Boys. So he is uh, eight wounds, six inch move, three up save, ten bravery. And he has a ward save. I'm going to skip to that of four up as well. Mm -hmm. So he is three up, four up. The Thunderborn. Once per turn, in your hero phase, you can pick one enemy unit on the battlefield and roll a dice. Number of dice equal to the wounds characteristic of that unit. For each six, unit suffers one mortal wound. It's like, oh, I see a giant. I'm going to roll 35 dice. Right. It's, it's best against monsters and heroes. Absolutely. It's kind of meaningless against hordes oh, yeah. of dudes. Absolutely. But something with, you know, 16 wounds, 18 wounds, you can still pick three or four, you know, mortals off of it. And that can make a difference. Yeah. It'll make a difference somewhere along the line. Yeah. And that's once per turn in your hero phase. Mm-hmm. So you can do that five times, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Maximum. So. The Castellan of Azir. At the start of the first battle round, I have to determine who has the first turn. But before the first turn begins, so everybody's set up. Mm-hmm. You know where everything is. You can pick D3, Hammers of Sigmar. Now, you have to be Hammers of Sigmar. Units on the battlefield and set them up again with any restrictions, of course, for deployment. But man, talk about bait and switch. This is just beautiful, Brendan. This is really good. So you put this big unit of guys over here. Somebody counter deploys to... To handle that. Handle that. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I put them on the wrong side of the board. Well, you could even put them in the sky. Right. Yeah, you can put them anywhere. That's right. right. Assuming that you're playing Scions, you could right. you could put them in the sky. That's just so good. Man, so so far so good for Bastion. Once per turn, this unit can issue a command to a Hammers of Sigmar unit anywhere on the battlefield without a command point being spent. That's once per turn. Mm-hmm. That's 10 command points potentially during the game. 
anywhere on the board. That's really good. Boy, awesome. And then we have Mantle of the First Storm. So at the end of a phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks in that phase, and we'll talk about his attacks. Just so excited about his rules because they're so good. You can heal all wounds allocated to this unit. So if he takes six wounds and he kills kills a a model... He gets them all back. That's awesome. Now, he has the Sunderer, which is this big weapon thing. So Big hammer of doom. Two-inch range, four attacks, threes by twos, minus two, four damage. So chances are, if he swings to something, he's going to take something out. And so you get your wounds back. That's just so cool. Points-wise, he's 300. Yadrasta is 320. So about the same in terms of cost. And mm. you're going to have to make those kind of choices in, a, as you said, an elite army like this. But yeah. Our first two picks, Brendan, you want to talk about Gardas or you want sure. me to talk about him? So Gardas is a held knight's unit, so yay, not hammers. It's a five-inch move, three-up save, bravery 10, six wounds. He has the Sigmarite Warcloak, which is 12-inch range, D6 attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one, fine. And the Runeblade and Warhammer, one-inch range, five attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two, also fine. He hands out the Aura of Purity. Which is pretty good. <laughs> Friendly Hallowed Knight units wholly within 12 inches of this unit have a ward save of 5 plus. <sighs> God. There's so many units that you can get to a 2 up save. They're all of a sudden going to have a 2 up, 5 up save. Mm-hmm. Wow. Talk about resilient. Talk about hard to move, man. That's just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> if they're Hallowed Knights, of course. If they are Hallowed Knights, yeah. yes. And then he has Martyr Strength. Roll a dice if this unit is destroyed in the combat phase. On a 2 plus, this unit can fight before it is removed from play. Which is an enhanced version of what Hallowed Knights get anyway, because they get, on a four-up, you can fight before you're removed. Mm. So this is a, a better version of that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, oh, yeah, it's okay. His combat profile is good enough. I mean, it, he, it means he died, though. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. it does. It, it means that you've also, you know, you've lost the ward save. He does get to fight. It is what it is. I'm not too keen on that necessarily. He's 160 points, though, so... Mm-hmm. Pretty good investment. Mm-hmm. Then he's got Saintly Assault. Once per battle at the start of your charge phase, you can declare a Saintly Assault. If you do so until the end of that turn, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly Hallowed Knights units wholly within 12 inches of this unit and add one of the attacks characteristics of melee oh. weapons used by friendly Hallowed Knights heroes wholly Ouch. within 12 inches of this unit. Oy, nice. That's kind of good. Yeah. For 160 points, you can do a lot worse. Sure. If you're playing Hallowed Knights, I don't know why you wouldn't take this model. So... You know, it's uh, definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, nice addition. Now, didn't he show up in one of the Broken Realms books? He did, yes. Okay, I thought he So he's he not around. totally, totally new, but this is rewritten for... He's totally new to this book. To the Battle Storm, Storm yes. Yeah, Stormcast, okay. So the next one we're going to talk about is the Lord Imperitant. Man, this guy is so good for the points. I think he... I'll let you look mm-hmm. up the points, Brendan, while I'm going through them. He's seven wounds, five up move, three up save, nine bravery. He has the Stormcaller... Baton, which is 18 inch range, d6 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1, 1 damage. Yeah, that's okay. Blessed Warhammer, one in, these are both 1 inch attacks. 4 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1, 2 damage, and then he's. Oh, he's oh, got a Griffhound that walks right. next to him. Okay, that's what it is. So that's the Beacon Claws. Uh, so we got 4 attacks, 3 by 4s, no rend, 1 damage from the Griffhound. They're treated as a, sa- a single model, mm-hmm. okay? And distinguished leader, once per turn, this unit can issue a command without a command point being spent, assuming that he is within range. To do that. Yeah, it doesn't say anywhere in the battlefield, so we're going to assume that that is within And he's 175 point. points, so right. obviously you would expect him to have 
a smaller range yes. than the guy who can issue them wherever he wants. <laughs> yeah. The last one is the amazing thing he gets here. Mm-hmm. Guided by lightning. So once per turn at the end of your movement phase, if any friendly units with disability are on the battlefield, so they're somewhere, you can say that they will guide the arrival of Sigmar's warriors. If you do so, pick one Stormcast Thunderstrike unit, Annihilators, with a wounds characteristic of three or less, Annihilators, that is in reserve. When you use the Scions of the Storm Allegiance ability to set up a unit on the battlefield in that phase, you can set it up more than seven inches from all enemy units instead of nine. Statistically, that is a significant increase in your success of making a charge. Yeah. Very significant. And if you're willing to be patient and your battle plan allows for it, you can bring in one unit a turn seven inches away. Mm-hmm. So pairing him with Bastion, now that's a quite the point sink. It's half the quarter of your army. Yeah, it, it's a chunk of change. But when you're doing that with the drop-down unit, and you've got Bastion putting units up in the sky separate. Wow. Pretty okay. Yeah, pretty okay is right. Yeah, very nice, man. And if you drop a unit that can re-roll your charge rolls, man, on a seven, that makes it even easier to try to get it. Well, not every unit can re-roll their charge roll. Right, but I'm saying if you have a unit that can. Yes. Right, if you have a unit that can. Gosh, if there was only a unit that was Thunderstrike that did that. I won't say it again. I <laughs> yeah, said it twice uh, already. I won't say it again. All right, man. So that's our Lord Imperitant. So then we have the Knight Draconis, yes. who is our new dragon hero. So Brendan, talk to us about him, uh, please. And before we get to that, oh, uh, oh. for new listeners, there are two classifications of heroes. There are lords and knights. Lords are your higher level characters. And as we were reading through the different books... You know, mm-hmm. they have the Lord keyword and things that are knights have the knight keyword. Just a differentiation of character because there are things that are Lord versions and knight versions of the same kind of subclass of hero, like Lord Relictor and Knight Relictor. You know, Lord Arcanum, Knight Arcanum. Obviously, the Lords are more expensive and they do more. Yep. But sometimes you want effectively that ability. You just don't have the points to make it work. So look to the, the knight version. Okay. Perfect. So the Knight Draconis is a new War Scroll. It is a 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 11-wound, hero on a dragon. I'm sure you're all aware of dragons at this point. Important to note is it is a monster, and it is Thunderstrike, so keep that in mind. They have the (laughs) Draconic Flamestream, which is a 12-inch range, 1 attack. It's the same as the other dragon attacks. It's just the range is 12 inches. Sure. You roll a dice and on a 1 to 2, it's one mortal wound. 3 to 4 is D3. 5 to 6 is D6. Neat. Yep. He has the Aeon Fire Blade. 1 inch range, 5 attacks, 3s by 2s, Ren 3, damage 2. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yep. And all of the dragons have the Draconic Fangs and Talons. 3 inch range, 4 attacks, 3s to hit, 3s to wound, Ren 2, damage 2. Mm-hmm. They fly, obviously. They have the Arcane Heritage. Each time a unit is affected by a spell or the abilities of an endless spell, you can roll a dice on a 4-up. Ignore the effect of that spell or the effects of that endless spell's abilities on this unit. Sweet. Man, that's sweet. Pretty good. That's uh, pretty nice. They have the Wrath of the Draconith. Once per battle in your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Stormdrake Guard unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit that has not made a shooting attack in that phase. That unit can shoot. So at least you can't triple tap that's uh, <laughs> true yeah shooting attacks with your dragons yeah dragged into the tempest in mm. the combat phase after all of this unit's attacks have been resolved you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a dice 
the role is greater than the wounds characteristic, your opponent must pick one model in that unit. That model is slain. Ooh, it could be pretty good. It can be. It'll allow you to kill up to a five-wound hero, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta roll a six, but... Hey. That's a free model. You know, that's a free couple hundred points you pulled off the board, potentially, yeah. by just right. being like, roll a six, dice. please. Really good. Having a Knight Draconis as your general, as well as really any of the other Draconith things turn the Stormdrake Guard into battle line. Now, I have a question. I want to just go back to the Lord Imperitant. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that he can guide, you know, give you that guide-in mm-hmm. uh, thing. So now, he could be up in the sky, and he could come in at the end of the movement phase, correct? Yes. If he's in the appropriate Stormcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you could also then bring something within the range of him, right? To, so in other words, you put him on the board from the sky, and then you could bring a unit on the board yes. within seven inches. You could do that both in the same turn. I believe so, because you, yeah. you'd have to bring him down first. Right. He would then be on the battlefield at the end of the movement phase. All right, just wondering about that. Okay. All right, same term. All right, so that's Knight Draconis. So now let's talk about Knight Relictor. Because when you're comparing him yeah. to the Lord Relictor, you're in much better shape. The Lord Relictor being 145 yep. pound, gotcha. uh, points, the Knight Relictor is 140. Yep. Why would you not take the Lord Relictor? Right. And here, since we're talking about it at the same time, we'll do the side-by-side comparison because yeah. the, the Lord Relictor is one of the ones that we have you know, points to consideration. He's a 5-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 9, 6 wounds. The Lord Relictor has the Relic Hammer, which is 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty sane. Mortis Priest adds one of the chanting rolls for this unit, so effectively That's huge. prayers that we talked about are 2-up. <laughs> And then he can also pray for a healing storm, which is on a four. You pick a friendly storm cast eternal unit, holy within range, 12, and visible to the chancer, heal up to D3 wounds allocated to the unit. Okay. The lightning storm, also an answer value of four, also a range value of 12. Pick an enemy unit within range and visible to the chancer. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until your next hero phase. So he's 145 points. Yes. The Knight Relictor is 140 points. Also a 5-inch move, also a 3-up save, one less bravery, also 6 wounds. He has the Relic Maul, which is 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. So one fewer attack. Yep. And he has the Relic Sensor. Each time a friendly Stormcast Eternals unit's holy within 12 inches of the student is affected by a prayer or the abilities of an invocation... You can roll a dice on a four-up. You ignore the effects of that prayer or the effects of the invocation on that unit. The other thing, that, as I'm, as we're talking through these, Brendan, the Knight Relictor, that's great mm-hmm. that he can do that, but there are a lot of armies that don't have priests. Correct. So he would basically be useless in that, from that perspective. He can still do prayers. He's, yeah, he's still a priest. He still has the ability to do that. He has Thunderstrike where the Lord Relictor does not. Correct. The Lord Relictor has the totem keyword which would allow him to issue commands wholly within 18. But in terms of his ability, his main ability, this relic sensor, there are a lot of times that that ability is not going to be used. Generally, no. Yeah. So for the points differential, as you had said, the Lord Relictor definitely is choice here. It's kind of confusing. If you had made him like a 110 or 120 point character, it becomes a different conversation because you are more likely to have a situation where you would like a priest but you don't have 20 points in the 20 or 30 points in your list to make up the difference. Mm-hmm. If you're building a list where you're off by five points, like, well, shoot, you know, yeah. it is what it is. But in most cases, you're not. Like, that's. Yeah. So you take the Lord Relictor. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 
Right, the next one on the list is the, the Knight uh, Judicator. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he is five wounds, six inch move, three up save, eight bravery. He has a missile weapon, the Terminus Great Bow, which, which is, is really good. 30 inches. He's basically an artillery piece. <laughs> two attacks, three by twos, uh, minus three rend, and three damage. Holy mutt. And you can get that to hit roll down to a two pretty easy. His Warblade is one inch, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. Two things that he has here. First of all, he has uh, the Faithful Griffhounds. The first time this unit is set up on the battlefield, you must summon one Griffhounds unit consisting of two models to the battlefield and add it to your army. Set it up wholly within three inches of this unit of the Knight Judicator and more than nine inches from all enemy units. The next thing is Gaze of Sigmar. Once per battle in your shooting phase, you can say this unit will draw the Gaze of Sigmar instead of attacking with this missile weapon. If you do so, pick one point on the battlefield within 30 inches of this unit, invisible to it. Roll a dice for each enemy unit within six inches of that point. On a four up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. That's not bad, Brendan. Yeah. And that's like free. It's once per battle, you can just do that. Yeah, they're 205 points, which is, you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite the artillery piece. You're going to be able to draw a lookout, sir. You can put him in cover. You can do a lot of damage that way. You get Griffhounds, which are pretty all right, and I'll just talk about them here. They're nine inch move, no save, bravery six, two wounds apiece. Cool. Four attacks, one inch range, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. But after it fights, it can retreat six inches. Okay. Cool. The next thing, though. Right. The warning cry is where you make up the points. Oh, yeah. If an enemy reserves unit or summoned unit is set up on the battlefield for the first time within 12 inches of this unit, you can pick up to three friendly Stormcast Eternal units (laughs) wholly within 12 inches of this unit to shoot. Any shooting attacks made by Stormcast Eternal units picked with this ability must target that reserve unit or summoned unit. Now, if your opponent doesn't have summoning or doesn't have reserve units, Eh. cool, it doesn't really do anything, but free shots are free shots. All right, mm-hmm. so let's go to the Knight Vexilor. Yeah. The Knight Vexilor with the Banner of Apotheosis specifically yeah. is yeah. the new War Scroll. It is a five-inch move, three-up save, bravery eight, six wounds, identical to the Knight Vexilor with not the Banner of Apotheosis. He's got the Sigmarite Warblade, which is one-inch attack, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. He has the Thunderstrike keyword and has the Totem keyword, so... Thunderstrike interactions, watch out. Uh, the Banner of the Reforged, once per battle in your hero phase, you can pick up to three friendly Stormcast Eternal units wholly within 12 inches of this unit to be affected by the Banner's energy. You can pick the same unit multiple times. If you pick a unit once with this ability, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds are allocated to it, you can return a number of slain models to that unit that have a combined wounds characteristic of D3 or less. Mm-hmm. If you pick a unit twice, you can heal up to 2D3. If you pick it three times, you can heal up to 3d3 allocated to that unit, or if no wounds, you know, do the combined of 3d3 or less. It's pretty good. He has the soul-charged icon, which you can re-roll charge rolls for friendly Stormcast units wholly within 12 inches of this model. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to move on to the Knight Arcanum. Is new. This is six wounds, five inch move, three up save, eight bravery. Has a Valedictor staff, two inch range, three attacks, three by fours, minus one. D3 damage. Eh, okay, whatever. As a wizard, can cast one and unbind one. Has It says predatory endless spells. This is indomitable lore seekers. Predatory endless spells cannot pass across this unit or finish a move within three inches of this unit. Okay. That's quite That's, good, actually. Is, yeah. In the sense that you can use this to provide a null zone, because most endless spells interact with you while they're within one inch. Mm-hmm. Or if you know that an endless spell is going to be set up somewhere, you can put this unit between where it is and where it's 
between the cast room where they think you think they might want to drop it. Yeah. So they can't just move it 24 inches over here or right. They'd have to, they have to bend it around yeah, and try unit. to make it. Now there is nothing stopping the endless spell from being set up right. within three inches of right. the night arcanum, which I think is an kind of weird, an so. interesting miss. Yeah. Uh, Cause it can't finish a move within three. Okay. Whatever. Then we have Blaze of Heavens. This is the spell that it has uh, with a casting value of 7. Range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range of visible of caster. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Add 2 inches to the range of this spell for each other friendly Stormcast Eternal's Thunderstrike unit. Wholly within 12 inches of this caster. Okay. Whatever. I mean, there's a lot of things that have Thunderstrike, so... I'd rather cast something off of the spell list, you know? <laughs> Generally, Yeah. <laughs> If I've got a spellcaster, that's what I would want to do with this. So now let's talk about units. The, the new stars. The everybody is talking about these these folks, and this is uh, vindictors, Brendan. Why don't you talk about vindictors? Them? Are bonkers. Where liberators were kind of the baseline units that we were talking about previously. Mm-hmm. Vindictors are your new. Kind of Stormcast battle line standard. And just to reference, we've got Liberators for five of them is 115. These are 130. So the 15 more points for five of them. So for 15 more points, you get Oof. plus one to your save characteristic. And you get a more reliable wound profile. You don't get access to a grand weapon, but I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now... Liberators can be a three-up save, but a number of them have to have the Sigmarite shield versus a combination of some of the other stuff. But these are three-up saves base. So they have the Storm Spear, two-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristic of their Storm Spear. Fine. Uh, If you have a banner, you add one to the bravery characteristic. Mm -hmm. Fine. Their Storm Soul arsenal, though... If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the Storm Spear is a six, the target suffers one mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. Yeah. That's good. Value. That's very Value. good. <laughs> now, the trouble there is the interaction with Celestial Blades, right? Yeah. Where, or uh, Blessed Weapons, rather, where sixes explode. Yeah. They're not the target for this, but they're still pretty good. They have the Thunderstrike keyword. They have the Redeemer keyword. I think you're going to see potentially blocks of 15 of them, especially with them being range two in mm-hmm. Stormkeep that yeah. will be shot up the board at some point. For sure. That, you know, you could have made two up saves as a result. And, you know. That, again, is the major change is the fact that these guys are two inch versus one inch. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Especially with the coherency rules and the base sizes. Yeah. It's big. I think there is value in fives of Liberators, but if you are going to go bigger than fives, you need to be talking about Vindictors in terms of your decision making. Fair enough. Okay. Next one we have is anything else on On those? No. They're a very good war scroll and you're going to see them very frequently. Okay. Buy them now if you want them because they're going to disappear. All right. Vanquishers is the next new unit we're going to talk about. Super cool model. Oh, they are. Big giant. They remind me of the sword masters of Hoth on the elf Mm. side. Kind of that one big giant sword they're holding two handed. Uh, so they have two wounds, four up save, seven bravery, a five inch move. There's a champion, and you add one to the attack's characteristic. The standard bearer, one in every ten models in this unit can be an icon bearer. And add one to the bravery characteristic. Okay, that'll be bravery eight. Nice. Mm-hmm. Musicians, one in every ten models can be a herald. If this unit receives the rally command, 
Uh, while it includes any Vanquisher Heralds, when you roll the dice, you get a model back on a 5-up instead of a 6-up. Nice. It's quite good. Yeah. Pretty significant rollover. But they do have to be 10s to be able to, right. to have that. To do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Celestial Greatsword, here we go. It's 1-inch range. So 2 attacks, 3-up, three 3-up, three minus 1, 1 damage. And then Lightning Strikes, add 1 to the attack characteristics of Celestial Greatsword if there are 5 or more models in the target unit. Add two to the attack characteristics of a Celestial Greatsword instead of one if there are 10 or more models in the target unit. Yeah, the thing that they really struggle from is their Greatswords are one-inch range. Yep. They're on 40s. And to gain the benefit of their command structure, you need to be 10 models. Yep, that's tough. Yep. They're a four-up save. They are Thunderstrike. They are Redeemer. I think this unit really struggles to find a home in the book necessarily. Okay. One of the next units here is the Vigilors, yeah. your new shooting unit. Interesting. They are Thunderstrike, but they don't have Redeemer. They are Justicar, though. Six-inch move, four-up save, bravery seven, two wounds. They have the Stormcaller Bow, which is an 18-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Decent. Mm-hmm. Stormblade, one-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one, which is... Better than some of the combat Which weapons is weird. <laughs> of, of like, Which you know, kind of baseline units, but yep. whatever. It is the same profile as the Vanquishers, mind yes. you, that are an actual fighting unit. Whatever, I guess. Champion adds one attack to their bow attack. Cool. And then they are the navigators of the storm. In the shooting phase, if any wounds caused by attack made with this unit, storm tower bow are allocated to an enemy unit. Add one to hit rolls for an attack that target that unit until the end of that turn. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per turn. So you got to do a wound. Yeah, and Brendan, these are basically towel marker lights. Mm-hmm. Is what they are. I think they're cool models. I think that's a great rule because if you get you know put all out attack on something, it could be plus two to hit. There's still 200 points for five models, and I just don't know if... Because there's so many other ways to get plus one to hit. I don't know that they're worth that. I think that's a tough call and a tough choice. I think you're really only doing this if you have a a number of things in a number of places where you want to get plus one to hit, Mm. but you don't have the resources to get plus one to hit across all of those locations, right? Sure, sure. But five of them for 200 some odd points... It's a very difficult comparator when you're talking about other shooting units that Mm -hmm. are in the game. So you have to look at them from that support aspect to talk about where their value probably lies. Sure. Listeners, we're going to talk about the chariots. Then we're going to take our break and then talk about three of the newest units that I think everybody's going to love. I think everyone is excited for these three in some way, shape, or form. So let's finish up by talking about the chariot, Brendan. Mm -hmm. So the chariot is 12-inch move, 12 wounds, 3-up save, 7 bravery. It's got a great storm bow, 18 inches, 2 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1, 1 damage. It's like, eh, okay. Uh, It has a storm strike axe, which is 1-inch. Three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. It has a spear, two inch range, two attacks, three by threes, minus two, two damage. And then something's pulling it. (laughs) And there's six attacks from the little buddies pulling three by threes, minus two, one damage. So a fair amount of melee attacks. Uh, It's not bad. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target this unit if it made a charge move. That's great. Uh, After this unit made a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll. On a four up, suffers one mortal. Okay, you made a seven inch, you got three or four mortals coming up. So they're 165 points, and I actually quite like the unit as a value support pick. The movement 12 is great. 12 wounds is great. Three up saves is great. It doesn't 
do necessarily a ton of expected damage in a given mm-hmm. turn, mm-hmm. the impact hits are quite good. So this is a unit that you're going to be using to pick fights very strategically. And if you can position them into the right things, if you can use them to clear out screens for other charges that you're looking to make into something kind mm-hmm. of juicier, one or two of these is really a great choice to do that by hitting a corner pulling some models off and giving access to the rest of the things that you're looking to fight or using their impact hits and then some amount of their damage to just tie up a hero for a really long time. Sure. They seem quite hard to move because of where they are. You're probably not going to see armies of many of them, (laughs) but I don't think it's unreasonable to expect potentially to see one or two of these in a given army. The and problem with Stormcast Licks is you run out of points pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So if this doesn't fit your scope, I totally get it. I think they sit right on that fence of this could do something for me in the right composition of an army. Sure. And I was thinking of, you know, drop from the skies kind of a thing too. If all of a sudden I'm playing an opponent that has one of these and he drops them in somewhere in my backfield, I've got to deal with that all of a sudden. That's something I cannot ignore. And that could pull models off of an objective you know that that are sticking there whatever else i mean it's that's it has the thunderstrike keyword so you can use it to set it up seven inches away (laughs) and pin something in place early on that doesn't want to be there setting it up in the corner using a combination of thunderclap and spell portal to make it impossible to pile into this model and prove to be very frustrating as overall unit yeah so good potential Right. you got to get all the wheels turned in the right direction, but yes. Great. Okay. Well, then, listeners, we're going to do is we're going to take our break, and we will come back with three pretty cool units. We'll be right back. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Listeners, we are back. And the first Coolio new unit we're going to talk about is Annihilators. And Annihilators have two different War Scrolls, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one would you like to talk about? I'll take the shield annihilators here. Okay, awesome. So you have uh, annihilators and annihilators with meteoric grand hammers. The regular non-grand hammered annihilators are four inch move, two up save, bravery seven, three wounds. They have the meteoric hammer, which is one inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Their prime adds one to the attacks characteristic, so he's four attacks instead of three. Both of them have the same rule, blazing impact. Mm-hmm. After this unit is set up on the battlefield for the first time, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 10 inches of this unit. On a 3-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, you can reroll charge rolls for this unit if it was set up on the battlefield in the same turn. Sweet. Man. <clears throat> so it is used best, obviously, in a Science of the Storm army, because that is a rule that you wouldn't be able to utilize in any other case. Mm-hmm. So... Next up is the Force of a Falling Star. After this unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inches of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll for that charge move. Subtract one from the roll if this unit only has two models. Subtract two from the roll if it only has one model. For each four plus, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Damage. It's five ups, you know, if it's two models, and it's six ups if it's just one. But if it's three or more, it's four ups. But they are pretty pricey for, for three of them. So sure. 200 plus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's 240 for the ones with the Grand Hammers. And you can only take them as battle line if you are Knight's Excelsior. Okay. Your regular Annihilators are 200 points, though. Okay. So then we have the ones with the Grand Hammers. The same 
profile, except the save is one less because they don't have a huge Coolio shield that they're holding up. So mm-hmm. three up save. Their Grand Hammer's two inch range, very important. Two inches, three attacks, three ups, two ups, minus two rend, three damage. Their champion does the plus one attack. They have the blazing impact and the force of a falling star, just like the other annihilators do. But man, they can just rip some stuff if they make that charge, Brendan. Yeah. And we know that anybody who's going to take these guys probably will be taking that Lord Imperitant so they can land seven inches away. Mm-hmm. And they're getting to re-roll their charge roll. Pretty good chance you're going to get in. Yeah, this is another unit just like the Annihilators without the Grand Hammers where you are probably wanting to take them in Signs of the Storm specifically. Four-inch movement is not great. They're like Terminators and. <laughs> Yeah, 40K. and they're getting the reroll charges when they're set up for the first time. So their inclusion in a Stormkeep army is probably not super duper useful unless Translocate works the way in which worded at present, where you'd be able to move afterwards. Yeah. And then you're trying to line up only a 5-inch charge instead of a 9-inch charge, which is obviously better. But otherwise, it just kind of is what it is. But they're they're definitely a hammer choice. There's yeah, no question a lot of that. offense there. Yep, great stuff. So let's talk about the Praetors. Mm-hmm. They're new, and they are <clears throat> three wounds, five-inch move, three-up save, eight bravery. They have a champion that adds one to the attack characteristic, one-inch range. Uh, you're not going to probably use them for attacks, but three attacks, three-by-threes, minus one, two damage. And they're your bodyguard unit here, new bodyguard unit. At the start of the first battle round, before determining who has the first turn, you can pick one friendly Stormcast Eternal's hero on the battlefield to which this unit will be bound. The same hero cannot have more than one unit of Praetors bound to it at any time. Before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to that hero, or instead of making a ward roll for a wound or mortal wound for that would be allocated to that hero, if that hero is within three inches of this unit, you can roll a dice. On a one or two, mortal wound still allocated. On a three or four, it's allocated to the unit. On a five or a six, it's negated. Brendan, that's amazing. That's not just passing it off. That means that wound just goes away. Yep. That is really, really good. Yeah, and for 165 points for nine wounds worth of character, yeah. you know, adding that on to some of these characters are very small in terms of just their overall wound counts. They are prone to mortal wounds. A number of them have the ability to access a ward save. Uh, this is effectively a three-up ward on the character for their <coughs> first nine wounds at minimum. Mm-hmm. I was thinking right away when I saw them and I saw um, Yendrasa. We had talked about she kind of needs to be in or close to a combat. Mm-hmm. Th- these would be great for her. Giving her nine extra wounds would just be amazing. Yeah, um, moving her up, dropping these down from the sky or translocating yep. them forward to be able to support her is probably a pretty key element to something like that. They're a good war scroll. The thing that I think is most interesting is this is not bound specifically to playing Stormcast. Mm -hmm. So if you are an order army, every order army can ally in Stormcast Mm -hmm. units. Mm -hmm. You can ally in Praetors and you can ally in one of the heroes that they would keep safe. Very nice. That's great. Or coalitions in cities. So well worth considering. All right, Brendan. All right. Next up's the big scary. Everyone's heard about him to this point. The Stormdrake Guard. Yes. So the Stormdrake Guard come in units of two. They are 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 9 wounds. They are monsters. They have the Thunderstrike keyword, and they are Draconith keyword. They have the Draconic Flamestream, which is the 12-inch range, 1 attack, and you roll a dice. They have to pick between the Lance and the Warblade. I think you are almost always taking the Lance. The Lance is 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. But off the charge, the Lance becomes rend 2 and becomes damage 2. And you're going to be charging with them because 
they're really because. good. <laughs> they have the Warblade, which is a one-inch range, six attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. The Warblade doesn't provide anything past that. You have the Fangs and Talons, three-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage two. <laughs> a lot of nice attacks off of those dragons, man. Pretty good. Yeah. It flies. Monstrous Regiment, only one model in this unit can carry out a Monstrous Rampage each turn, which is good because you could run them in fours <laughs> or sixes because they can be battle line. Now, real quickly, Brendan, you can also take them in units of one for every Knight Draconis you have. Correct. Okay, so it could be like a bodyguard to your Knight Draconis or something. In narrative sense only. Yeah, right, yes. exactly, exactly. Not competitive, right. And that's only because in order to build a Knight Draconis, you have to buy a box of two Storm Drake Guard and you end up with a random storm drake guard it's a whole thing right <laughs> yeah, of course you can have a champion the champion adds one to the attacks characteristics of either the lance or the warblade pretty solid if this unit has two to five models it is coherent if each model in the unit is within three inches horizontally of at least one other model in the unit instead of one inch this unit is more than five models it is coherent if each model in the unit is within three inches horizontally to at least two other models in the unit instead of one Kind of, yeah. That's so good. This dispersed formation. And this isn't the first time we're going to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Well, this is the first time we've seen it ever. It's not the last time. No, we will see it again in this book. Yes, yes absolutely. I, I, I think that's just such a great way to make units that would otherwise really not be viable in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to make them useful on the table. It's just a great workaround. Well, it's because the wings are so big. Yeah. Like, that's why. Part of it, yeah, for sure. Yep, there's so, a practical implication. Yeah, so they have the same arcane heritage where spells are endless spell abilities on a four-up, you ignore them. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. They also have Dragged into the Tempest where you roll a dice and if it's greater than the wounds characteristic, your opponent picks a a model that dies. And then they have Draconic Onslaught. Once per battle in your hero phase, roll. This unit can make a normal move. Roll a dice if any enemy units are within 12 inches of this unit after the normal move. On a two-up, this unit can immediately attempt to charge. This once again would bypass Unleash Hell. Yes. Because of when it happens. Correct. Yep. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just, just say it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. This is a unit that takes buffs particularly well, right? <clears throat> there are fighting profiles that benefit from all attack. They are monsters. They are Draconith monsters. So the one spell helps them out a bit. There's the command trait that I talked about that makes them minus one to be wounded. Mm-hmm. You know, there they are. Nine uh, wounds with a three up save. Yeah. You know, they take bless weapons particularly well. It takes Celestial Blades for plus one to wound particularly well. It's a really good unit. Now, it comes with a situation where you're going to have to make a sizable investment to make them as dangerous as they can be. But it is an extremely mobile combat unit that is going to, in essence, remove most things that you give it access to. Yes. It's very difficult to stop this unit. In a unit of four, you're talking 36 wounds. Mm-hmm. That's really amazing. Yeah, it's a lot, but... You know, that's nearly 600 points. It's 285 per two. Yep. You know, so it's nearly 600 points for four guys Mm -hmm. that are very prone to mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the key weakness to this unit specifically. You know, the, the ward saves are difficult to come across. Now that can be remedied if you are going to be playing Hallowed Knights, where one, they fight on a four up if they die, but you can put Gardas nearby to give them a five-up ward save. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad at all. It's like giving them all an amulet, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, this is a unit that plays well in both 
Scions and Stormkeep. Now, obviously, they don't have the Redeemer keyword where they count as a bunch of models, but they are monsters, so they do already count as a bunch of models. They count right. as five per. Mm-hmm. You know, so a unit of four is 20 models, yeah. and that's pretty good. Uh, this is definitely a unit that you need to be very familiar with War Scroll-wise. One, because it, it looks cool. It is a relatively affordable points piece, mm-hmm. and it does a cool thing that people are going to want to do. So we'll see how it works out in application because I think there are also other things in this book that are quite scary that do different things that you'll need different plans for. And I think that's one of the more exciting parts about this book is how many different permutations you can generate from a list building perspective and feel pretty good about what it is that that you're doing. Those are the baby dragons. Yep, that's they are. So that's the new stuff, Brendan. That is the new stuff. So let's move into our discussion about some things we found of interest. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple of things. I'm going to add one at the end. So we're going to move into these units of interest as we see them, things that we think would have value on the table just for whatever reason. And we're going to start out with a Lord Arcanum on a Toralon. Okay. The Lord Arcanum has 12 wounds, 14-inch move, 3 up, save, 9 bravery. And is a wizard can lord arcanum is going to be a wizard so one spell and one unbind can fly and first thing it has is comet trail after this unit has made a normal move add one to hit rolls for attacks made by stormcast and cities of sigmar units within three not wholly within three of this unit so you so you can add one to hit rolls if you're close enough to something very nice it's a good buff you get cycles of the storm so this rule basically says once per turn, if a friendly Stormcast Eternals model is slain within 18 inches of this model, instead of removing that model from play, you can heal one wound allocated to that model and it does not count as having been slain. This unit cannot use this ability on itself. So there's a lot of discussion, listeners, about how this is going to work in the new edition. There's been a couple of folks who have come out and based on the wording in the book uh, this may work differently we're not going to go into the specifics at this point until we get some resolution but this may work the same way it did in second Second edition where basically what you're doing is you're adding a wound essentially the mechanic is you're adding a wound to each model in the unit or it may work that you can bring a model back and it can't really be slain a second time, at least in that turn. So we're not sure how that's going to work. We don't want to talk in the details because we've got to get some clarification on right. it rather than confuse people. The Pandora's box on this is if it works as written directly, yes. is you have multiple, you have the potential to having multiple wounded models in a unit. Yes, and which gives you this crazy good choice of, oh, I'm going to take three wounds off of this unit instead, or this model instead of this model so that this model will survive. Yeah. And that's just, as you said, that's a great description, Pandora's box. Yeah, that is a situation and scenario that I don't think can be closed and is going to provide a level of confusion and failure to understand that will be difficult to convey to newer players of the game, Mm -hmm. especially in a competitive setting. Yes. So we're going to hold off on judgment until we get some clarification on Mm -hmm. that, Brendan. And people can read the rule and interpret it, obviously, you know, if it's an event, your TO is going to interpret it in a certain way. You probably should get clarification if you have something with this rule. Yes. 
just to make sure. If it hasn't already been pre-interpreted. Yes, and it may very well, because as you've said in our off-screen conversation as it was, there are a lot of people in the loop who are aware of the discussion, so. Yeah. All right. The last thing is Lightning Orb. It's a spell, has a casting value of 6, range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one point on the battlefield within range, visible to the caster, roll a dice. This is like before. Uh, For each enemy unit within 3 inches of that point, on a 4-up, it suffers D3 mortals. Okay, fair enough. I just think that between, depending on how cycles work, how it ends up working, I think that's valuable. And then... Comet Trail, again, you're adding one to hit rolls. That's valuable as well. I think it's it's worthwhile even in the other interpretation of Cycle. Yeah. Okay. So either way, this is useful uh, hero. Yeah. The Lord Arcanum went from being one of the kind of more lame War Scrolls in yeah. previous book to being one of the ones that I think has a, a good fair bit of value, especially with some of the stuff that is categorization of faster Stormcast. And let's not forget that he can cast other spells like Celestial Blades, so you can add one to wounds. Uh, well, I you think know? he's the best carrier of that Thunderclap. Uh, oh, yeah. The, yeah. the Thunder Boom or whatever, the, <laughs> the You Can't Pile In spell. Yeah, there you go. He's already up there. Yeah, yep. He's, he's in there with you. He's stuck in. And I think he's a good carrier of the Arcane Tome artifacts specifically. Mm. Okay, so he gets that extra spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. So the next one I'm going to take is the uh, Celestant Prime. Okay. Prime is basically no different than he was before, but this is one of the you know kind of more classic models. 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 10, 8 wounds, Galmaraz, 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 3, damage 2. <laughs> you know, it's 325. <laughs> this is a model that has seen a lot of points changes over the years. You know, the big one is, is instead of setting uh, up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say it'll be set up in the heavens as a reserve unit. This is totally separate from, you know, if you are science or not, you can do this regardless. Mm-hmm. If you do so at the end of your movement phase, you must say if this unit will remain in reserve or if it will strike from the heavens. At the end of your movement phase, if this unit remains in reserve, add two to the attacks characters to the unit's Galmaraz for the rest of the battle. So if it comes down in battle round two, it has five attacks. If it comes down in battle round three, he's got seven attacks. Pretty good. When you set it up, it must be set up on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. This is not a unit that can benefit from being set up seven inches away. It doesn't have Thunderstrike as a keyword, but that's not going to matter. So <laughs> they have the Comet Strike Scepter. In your shooting phase, you can pick one point on the battlefield within 24 inches of this unit invisible to it. Each enemy unit within three inches of that point suffers D3 mortal wounds. Boom, boom, boom. Pretty good. Yep. And then you have the orary (laughs) of Celestial Fates. Once per turn, before you make a hit or wound roll, roll for an attack made by this unit, a save roll for an attack that targets this unit, or a runner charge for this unit. You can say that you will foresee the result of the roll. If you do so, instead of making the roll, you must choose the result of the roll. The result chosen from a D6 must be a whole number from 1 to 6. The result chosen for a 2D6 roll must be a whole number from 2 to 12. Again, I really want 7.5 as a choice now. (laughs) Right. Uh, the results cannot be re-rolled, but any modifiers yeah. are applied to it as normal. That's great. Yeah. Guaranteed charge, whatever. I mean, that's the one that pops out to me every time. Right. So to me, that's why setting up nine inches away doesn't make a big deal. Your first turn, you're going to be autoing that charge, you know, yeah. as anywhere between a nine and a 12. And then the one thing here is Eye of the Celestial Storm. This unit has a ward save of a four plus. That is amazing. It's a that's big deal. really great. Otherwise, this used to be a very squishy character. I wish he would have come out as a two up save mm-hmm. just for what the unit is supposed to be in terms of yeah. like a lore perspective. Yeah. Look at me, narrative gamer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? 
But, you know, this is a unit that does some interesting things. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting because you've got three units now. You've got Yandrasta, you've got Bastion, and you've got the Prime, who are all right around that 300, 320 points, right in that range. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you have three really strong, and I think certainly you could argue that a couple are stronger than the other. But it's really nice that you have those kind of choices now. And two of those are newer units. So yeah, I think it's wonderful to have those extra tools in your toolbox. Let's talk about Lord Arcanum on Thundercats now. Okay. If we could. Lord Arcanum on Thundercats. If you turn to the book page. There you go, buddy. Okay. He's on a Dracoline. Has eight wounds, 12 inch move, three up save, nine bravery. Mm-hmm. He, of course, can cast one and unbind one. And he has Cycle of the Storm. We talked about that. Where you, We'll see how that works out. He has Thunderous Pounce. He can reroll charge rolls. Nice. Very good. And let's go back up to his melee weapons. We didn't do that. So he has an Aether Stave, 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3-up, three 3-up, three minus 1, 2 damage. And then the claws from his Thundercat, 1-inch, 3 attacks, 3x3s, three three, minus 1, D3 damage. He has a Pack Alpha. Add one of the attacks characteristics of Monstrous Claws used by friendly Dracoline units. It's wholly within 18, okay. And then Storm Lance, this is uh, a little bit different than the one where you pick a point. So you have a casting value of 5 and a range of 12. If you cast it, pick one point on the battlefield within range invisible. The caster draw a straight line between that point and the closest part of the caster's base. Roll a dice for each enemy unit passed across by that line on a 4-up D3 mortals. Okay. A little bit different mechanic than picking a point and explosion. Mm-hmm. Kind of got a laser beam here. Yeah. And, you know, that's totally reasonable. So the unit that you probably want to pair this with is Evocators on Celestial Dracolines. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the units that I guess we forgot to write down on our list. 12-inch mm. move, 4-up save, Bravery 8, 5 wounds. Unfortunately, you can't make them battle line at any point. Yeah. Have the choice of being armed with Tempest Blades and Storm Staves, or every 2 and 3 can be armed with a Grand Stave. The... Tempest Blade and Storm Stave are 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Or the Grand Stave is 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, no rend, damage 2. Their mount has the same profile as the Lord for Monstrous Claws. This is a unit of wizards, while it has 2 or more models, and it can attempt to cast and unbind 1 spell. And it only knows the Empower spell and cannot attempt to cast any other spells. Any number of Evocators can attempt to cast Empower in the same hero phase. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Champion adds one to the attacks characteristics of whatever it's armed with. They have Celestial Lightning Arc. After this unit has fought for the first time in a phase, all of its attacks have been resolved. You can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit. Roll three dice for each model in this unit. For each four up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Cool. Thunderous Pounce. You can reroll charge rolls for this unit. They don't have run and charge base, Mm -hmm. so you would have to use the special command ability to, to do that. Then you have Empower. Empowers a spell that has a casting value of a 6, range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one friendly redeemer or sacrosanct unit wholly within range. Add one to the wound rolls for attacks made by that unit until your next hero phase. Okay. Neat. Nice, yeah. That hero and that unit is probably some things that you want to do some pairing together of and rolling together with. Obviously, the Lord is one that can take the fight from 6 inches out. What I want to do, Brendan, let's go to the two shooting units that we have listed. I'm going to talk about the Raptors if you want to talk about the Castigators when we get done. The Vanguard Raptors with long strikes. We're not going to talk about the ones with hurricane crossbows. So the long strikes... They're better than they used to be. Yeah, but... They're still not as good (laughs) as their uh, compatriots. So the long strike crossbows... 
Two wounds, five inch move, four up save, seven bravery. One model is a Raptor Prime. That model is accompanied by an Aether Wing armed with beasts and claws. Okay. The long strike crossbow, though, 30 inches, two attacks, threes by twos, two minus two ren at two damage. And with the headshot rule, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the long strike crossbow is six, the unit suffers two mortals and the attack sequence ends. So this is me being nitpicky. The rule should not be headshot if it's damage two. <laughs> there isn't two damage in a head. It's like, well, uh, okay. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it's, that's part of it, right? But you know, when you're thinking about one wound models, yeah. <laughs> you're telling me from a narrative perspective that you have managed to put two like little goblins on... You've impaled them back to back. Like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> this is fun for me because the only thing... In my night on army, there was even close was coach. And I only had three attacks. And on sixes, I could get two mortals, you know, for rolling a six Mm -hmm. to hit. I mean, if you take a unit of six of these, that's 12 dice you're rolling. Yep. On average, you're going to be getting four mortals. You could spike the heck out of that and maybe get six to eight mortals. And that's before any of your other attacks. You could easily make this a two to hit. So you'd be two up, two up, minus two rend with two damage on top of that. This unit can do some work at 30-inch range with that two shots. Really can, Brennan. Mm-hmm. Pretty powerful stuff. The thing to be considerate of, though, right, is the the fact that this is 240 points yep. for six wounds. Right, for one, yeah. So 500 points for 12 wounds. That's it, yeah. It doesn't take very much to take that unit and make it non-viable. The nice thing is, though, right, is you have 30 inches as the Stormcast player to potentially overcome that. But in another army that has shooting, that has the ability to close that gap, that has the ability to only move up a little bit and do some damage, you lose a lot with every Vanguard Raptor you lose. Very significant. And you've purchased it at, you know, nearly a fourth of your army. It's a unit that can do a lot of damage, but has no ability to receive it. Glass cannon. Yeah, and you know that's not to say that Castigators here are any better at that specifically. But Castigators, though, are 5-inch move, 4-up save, Bravery 7, 2 wounds. You know, very, very similar to what we just talked about. They cannot become battle line. When they come in units of 3 at 105 points, they cap out at units of 6 at, you know, 210, mm-hmm. which is literally double the number of wounds that you're going to be seeing on the other side. But obviously... A little bit different. The Thunderhead Great Bow is an 18-inch range. D3 attacks. Threes by threes. Rend one. Damage one. And their combat of a heavy stock. One-inch range. Two attacks. Fours by threes. No rend. Damage one. But that's not what you're buying them for. I mean, you could spike that damage. There's no question. Yes. You know, it is going to be some variance of between three shots and nine shots (laughs) for every three that you buy. Right. Fine. Where, you know, right with the 240 points that you've spent on the other three, you know that you're getting six shots. Right. You know, Agreed. on average, 3d3 is going to end up at about six shots. Damage is potentially doubled, but again, you are paying more than double for the exact right. same right. thing. The champion adds one to the attacks characteristic, so seven shots Throw now. That in. The start of the shooting phase, you, you must say whether it will increase either the accuracy or the power of its Thunderhead Great Bows. If you improve the accuracy, you add one to hit rolls for attacks made with this unit's Thunderhead Great Bows. Or you could all out attack up to you. <laughs> if you pick power, it improves to Ren 2 instead of Ren 1. I, to me, there isn't a choice there. I mean, because you have the option in other ways to add one to hit rolls, you don't really have options to increase your Ren anywhere. Typically not. Typically not. So that would be my choice in order to make these guys 
viable in terms of being able to get through decent saves. Yeah, and there's going to be instances where you know you want to save the command points and use all out attacks somewhere else or unleash hell. But you have or, that option, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm, okay. You do, and there are different targets where rend one is perfectly fine. You know, mm-hmm. going up to rend two is meaningless. They have another rule: burst of celestial energy for the very rare and unusual time where. If you are attacking with a Thunderhead Great Bow and targeting a Malignant or a Demon... A Night Haunt or a Demon. Yeah. <laughs> Malignant's about... Isn't that it? Night Haunt's about the only Malignant units? I'd have to I go think, check the Soul Blight book, but... I think there might be one or two. The Mortis Engine used to... Know. Okay. So that gotcha. would... Right. And the hit roll is a six. The attack scores two hits on the target instead of one. Exploding. Make a wound and save six. roll for each hit. Okay. This is a unit, though, that takes less weapons where the Raptors don't. Correct. So you can create a nearly equivalent unit for the same, roughly, level of points with more wounds. Now it's much higher variance and a shorter range, Mm -hmm. but your investment is lower to get a similar, again, not the same results there. Right. You're not rocking mortals here. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think they're both worth considering if you're going to do shooting, but you're probably going to have to make a choice unless you're really locked into shooting army. Right. If that's how you're building. Otherwise. So that's Raptors and Castigators. What do you want to go with next? Let's talk about Sequiturs. So Sequiturs used to be one of the most popular units that you saw in the game when 2.0 came out. Mm -hmm. Sequiturs base are 5-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 7, 2 wounds. They have the Sacrosanct weapons, which is 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Two in every five can replace their weapon and shield with the Storm Smite Great Mace, mm-hmm. which is one inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Prime can also replace its weapons with the Great Mace in addition to you know the other ones. The champion adds one to the attack's characteristic of whatever it is wielding, and it also carries a redemption cachet. Its slain models cannot be returned to the enemy units that are within three inches of the Sequitur Prime. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Much like the Castigators, they have to do some channeling. At the start of the combat phase, you must say whether this unit will channel the etheric power into its weapons or into its shield. Mm -hmm. If you pick weapons until the end of that phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is a 6, that attack scores 2 hits on the target instead of 1. If you pick shields until the end of that phase, the unit has a ward of 5+. Wow. The fact that it is a 4-up war scroll, unlike the other battle line choices... That are kind of equivalent to it, the Vindictors and the Liberators. Yes. Not having that ability to get to a base, kind of a quote-unquote three-up save. Because like with the Liberators, if they have at least half of the models with a save, they get one to their save rolls. Okay. They are base four, but, you know, if you have the shields, they are effectively, you know, a three-up, right? Okay. Yeah, right. So I think the... Kind of the short-lived reign of sequiturs is probably exactly that. At 145 points, I don't know how you're justifying that choice to yourself over Vindictors or even the Liberators, mm-hmm. you know, that are just kind of your discount battle line, sure. right? That when you're trying to make things work. Okay. Uh, the next one we talked about was Retributors, mm-hmm. and that's three wounds, four-inch move, three-up save, seven bravery. Has a lightning hammer, one inch, three attacks, three by threes, minus two, two damage. And then the star soul mace, you basically roll a dice on a two up, target suffers D3 mortals. Okay. And the champion can add one to attacks characteristic 
You get Blast to Ashes. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a lightning hammer is six, target unit suffers two mortals, and the attack sequence ends. Well, they are... What are our points there, Brennan? For Retributors... Right, so they can become Battle Line in Knight's Excelsior. They're yep. 235 for them. Protectors are 225, and then Decimators are 215. These are your other non-annihilator paladins. And so retributors are three models, right? For the two No, they're five. Five? Okay, good. Yeah, all these are... So all three of those are fives. And they all serve different, theoretically different functions where, you know, your retributors are supposed to be your kind of more elite, quote-unquote, units that that do damage. Your decimators are supposed to be your horde busters. Mm -hmm. You know, adding two to their attacks characteristic if, you know, they have fewer models than your opponents right, right and it unit size is a five yeah you know there's going to be times where you're rolling around with uh 35 attacks <laughs> that are threes and threes right. ren two damage one and then if you're playing knights excelsior they're twos and twos ren two damage one yeah but these retributors if you're taking a unit of five mm-hmm. it's still 15 attacks you're going to rock two or three sixes there it's okay it's like four to six mortals but like when you're doing the comparison shopping yes that mortal wound damage, the fact that you have so many fewer attacks than their peers, sure, ends up being kind of a detriment unto themselves. Like the mm-hmm. decimators can sit mm-hmm. out there and swing with 35 attacks. Right. I would much rather have 35 attacks right. than 15, even though the, the cap in terms of damage is basically the same. Okay. Or, for instance, going in there with protectors, which would have 30 attacks... Ver- or sorry, 25 attacks versus 15, but you would end up with a two-up save. Okay. Right. All, right. All for roughly similar points. I think the day of the Paladin is returning unto us. Okay. Paladins used to be a scourge unto competitive tables in AOS 1.0 in the very early days of Pointed <laughs> Warhammer. Okay. Paladins used to be... <sighs> Good. Used to be very scary. So, Dan, I'm going to let you talk about Prosecutors because I want the Paladors. Okay, good. Okay, because I just, I love that unit. This is so cool. And I know that's one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. Prosecutors, and we're going to talk about the ones with the Javelins here because they have a three-up save. Well, the the other ones can have a three-up save as well. Right, they can. You know, they just have to be armed differently, right? It's kind of like the Liberators and the Vindictors. You mm -hmm. can give the Liberators shields or if they have enough shields. Right, they're a four-up save. They get plus one to their save rolls. Which means that you can't bring them to a two-up, but they are a four-up that functions very similarly to a three-up. Right. Where in this case, you are a three-up that can right. become a two-up. Correct. It's all very complicated. Yes. You, know, you, you got to get the widgets out. You know, it's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Roll the dice. Get the calculator. Okay. So we're going to talk about the ones with the javelins. 12-inch move, two wounds, three-up save in this case, seven bravery. We have two missile weapons. We have the javelin, both 18-inch, and the trident, both 18 inches, both one attack. The profiles are the same except, so it's three-up, three-up, one rend. The difference between the javelin and the trident is one damage and two damage. Melee weapons, the same things. They serve essentially the same same profile it's a three inch range one attack four by fours minus one rend and then either one or two damage those are their attack profiles the model who is the prime can add one attack so these guys have dispersed formation but the prime can only add one if it's the javelin yes instead of the trident which would be so good but okay (laughs) they have dispersed formation though we talked about this so Mm -hmm. this unit has two to five models it's coherent if each model in the unit is within three inches horizontally of at least one other model and if this unit has more than five it's coherent if 
the unit is three inches horizontally of at least two other models in the unit. And then we have Heralds of Righteousness. You can attempt to charge with this unit if it's within 18 inches instead of 12. Roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 when making a charge roll for this unit. So, Brendan, these guys could make amazing screens. Not only do they make amazing screens, they are excellent Unleash Hell Eaters. Yes, absolutely. To get them to a two-up with a Mystic Shield, to chuck them with a 3d6-inch charge, Mm-hmm over the screen of you know the thing that is protecting the shooting unit and actually physically engaging the shooting unit so that they do not have the option later on to pick a different target to unleash hell you may be able to weather that storm mm-hmm. and if you manage to hang in there and make it into their next shooting phase 115 points well spent right like, right absolutely well you have the rest of your army rolling around doing right or if you want to slow down something that's going to charge, you want to slow down some, you know, stone horns, you want to slow down some giants, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you put a line of these guys out there for 115 points, all of a sudden they're just like breaks on. And that helps you then set up your hammers to get to those big units. Ideally, yes. Yes. The downside is, is that they're two wounds apiece. They yes. come in threes. So mm-hmm. it's a total of six wounds. Prone to mortal wounds, so they'd be prone yeah. to impact hits, specifically sure. from some of those kinds of units. Yeah, sure. You know, yep. But that's the price you pay. But if you can set it up in a place where, even if they clear you, and they make the pile in, okay. they can't do anything. Right. So, And you'll hopefully have something behind that that's within range to move and then charge and take out that big unit that got slowed down. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's prosecutors, and you want to talk about these wonderful vanguard. Do you want to talk about paladors? This is such a cool unit, and it's Brendan. It's so affordable for fifteen wounds. Yeah, it's like two hundred points. Yeah, so all of the vanguard stuff that isn't the long strike raptors is a unit that I have hoped for a long time would become extremely competitive or have the ability to. Mm-hmm. So they're two hundred and fifteen points, and they can become battle line and astral templars army. You know, the hunters are. 125 points for five and can become, you know, battle line and astral templars arm. Mm-hmm. But the paladors themselves are 12 inch move, four up save, bravery seven, five wounds. Fine. They can be armed in one combination, either bolt storm pistol and hand axe or bolt storm pistol and javelin. Mm-hmm. All models in the unit must be armed with the same weapon options. So the pistol is 12 inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, rend one, damage one. The javelin is 18-inch range, one attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And remember, you can have a pistol and a javelin, Mm -hmm. but then you get into combat, and you have the access to the hand axe, which is pretty good, so you're going to have some interesting choices here. One-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage D3. And the javelin, one-inch range, one attack, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. The razor beacon claws... One inch range, three attacks, threes by twos, rend two, damage one. The prime adds one to the attacks characteristics of the bolt storm pistol and hand axe or the bolt storm pistol and javelin, mm-hmm. which is yep. a nice combination of things. Then they can ride the winds etheric, which has changed sizably into being something that is much more manageable. Instead of picking this unit to make a normal move or retreat, you can say that it will ride the winds etheric. If you do so, remove the unit from the battlefield and set it up again on the battlefield more than one inch away from all other terrain features and objectives and more than nine inches from all enemy units. A a unit of Dreadblade Heroes. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, they used to not be able to shoot or charge after this. Thank goodness, because now you can. Mm -hmm. 
Because you can shoot and charge, right? Yes, because yeah. now you can shoot and charge. Yeah. Yeah. It's better. They're better than they used to be. One of the things that this unit reminds me of a little bit that we already talked about the chariot, where if you drop that chariot down, your opponent's going to have to deal with it. Because right. it, these guys now, if you've got a unit of three of them, they're going to be, if you're taking them in the proper... Because they can just move. They don't need to be up in the sky. But three of them dropping in, you're going to have to deal with them. Or three of them moving somewhere, you're going to have to deal with them. You can't just let them sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I, they do I really count like as two models apiece because they are five right. wounds. So it's still six, but... You got to pick your fights with them. Mm-hmm. And you got to be very careful about what it is that you're doing. I don't know that in all... Angelos army, the all the Vanguard chamber is going to be particularly effective. That is my hope and dream one day for them no, to be particularly fun. good. But, you know, the Paladors continue to, over time, kind of find a home and a role in what it is that they're doing. And so, Dan, I'll talk about the Knight Vexilor and save the Fulminators for you. Thank you. Because I know you're very excited about that unit. Oh, yeah. So the Vexilor regular guy he does have a banner but it's not the banner of apotheosis okay it's just a it's just a it's it's, just a it's just a banner banner (laughs) yeah good lord (laughs) knight vexilor is scrub uh he's 120 points versus 160 for his very important peer who has a banner worth mentioning his elite peer. oh i'm so sorry same profile five inch move three up save bravery eight six wounds He's got a Warhammer, which is a one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And he's either carrying a Meteoric Standard or Pennant of the Stormbringer. If you carry the Meteoric Standard once per battle in your hero phase, you can pick one point on the battlefield within 24 inches of this unit. Each enemy unit within six inches of that point suffers D3 mortal wounds. No. No, I agree. The Pennant of the Stormbringer. If this unit carries a Pennant of the Stormbringer once per battle at the end of the movement phase, you can pick one friendly Stormcast Eternals units on the battlefield, remove that unit from the battlefield, and set it up again on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. This is where this guy is That's where he makes his money. Yeah. yeah. This is where it makes him of interest. A lot of these units are very slow. A lot of these units, you know, when they end up where they are, are kind of stuck there. The fact that you don't have to be in range to pick up that unit, you they just have to be somewhere on the table and send them somewhere else is really solid. You got the soul charged icon. You can reroll charge rolls for friendly Stormcast Eternal units wholly within 12 inches of this unit. It's fine. You know, you can use that to, once you've dropped a unit down, it's gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You can pull them to him and then send them back in a different way. Otherwise, he's a totem, so he can hand out command abilities to wholly within 18 inches of him, which is good. You know, That's good. pretty good. Last on our list, Dan, I believe, is, is Fulminators. Is Fulminators. Dracothian Guard Fulminators. So I will preface this with all Dracothian Guard are very interesting in terms of, you know, selections. I think that the concussors suffer from some of the same problems that their foot buddies do. Okay. You know, desolators get some of the same benefit that their foot buddies do and and can be quite good. Okay. The tempesters are a sneaky good shooting unit. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Fulminators is the unit that I think everyone is talking about because, sure. oh my god. They are, it's just nuts. They make... Their damage potential They is are 240 insane. points for two, and Dan, please tell us what this unit does. 10-inch <laughs> moves, six wounds each, three up save, seven bravery. It has a storm blast, which is 12 inches, one attack. Uh, you don't use the normal sequence. Instead, you roll a dice and a four up. 
target suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Fine. Fine. All right. This unit's Stormstrike Glaives have a damage characteristic of three instead of one. In the same turn, it made a charge move. Now, Dan, this is not a new rule. They were always damage three off the charge in their old book, but they also upped from rend one to rend two on the charge. <sighs> it's huge. You'll know that they don't have to up to rend two, though. <laughs> Right. And they also had fewer attacks. And this is the thing, too, is, again, you've got these dragons that they're on that carry attacks. Mm -hmm. So this is in addition to the glaive, which we'll talk about. One inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus two rend, two damage. So, so if you've got a unit of four of these guys, you're getting it's a lot of points. Yeah. But you're getting 12 attacks from these dragons. That's before the guys swing. That's so good. That's a lot of potential damage just from the mounts. Now remember, four of them guys is you know, almost to 500. 500 points. Yeah. It's a fourth of your army for right. what ends up being 24 wounds yep. on a three-up save. Yeah. It is a sizable investment. Yes. However, what you are getting... In addition to those dragon attacks, is you're getting each model five attacks, three by threes, minus two ren, and on the charge, three damage. But if they're not charging, one, one damage. So everything depends on the charging. You can easily get that hit to two. Mm -hmm. If you use all out attack, all out attack with that, you can or, also cast a spell and get the plus one to wound. Yep. Yes. So you could be two up, two up. Two rend, three damage. You don't even need to do all at attack if you've got a Toralon right. nearby. Yep. Um, you know, one of the units that you had picked out of being of particular interest. Yeah, so save that command point. Mm -hmm. But boy, Brendan, with a uniform 20 attacks, two by twos, it's just insane. Your damage potential there. You're going to be able to get through a lot of things in that respect, taking them as hammers of Sigmar. Because one of the things that, that becomes very difficult is if you aren't in hammers and you want to take a unit of four of these, mm. you also have to have battle line in addition to it. Right. If you take a unit of yeah. four of these, that's one of your three battle line knocked out. Mm -hmm. you know, so in that sense, you were already going to be paying some amount of points for battle line. Correct. And you can consider that an offset you know, mm. in terms of like you know, the American tax system. You know, this <laughs> is a deduction that you can take in principle from okay. the battle line that you are going to be considering so uh, just brendan the potential of these guys with the and they've got a 10 inch move they're just such a serious consideration considering the damage output that they can roll up the main disadvantage that this unit has to the dragons is they do not fly now you can cast levitate but that's a spell that casts on an eight yep to give them fly so a savvy player will be able to just kind of feed the Dracothian guard a bunch of garbage. Right, you can just screen them and screen them and speed bump them and speed bump them. Or you can charge in with something durable and just go, cool, man, we're going to be here a while. Now, they do have pretty reasonable damage not on the charge, but every turn that they are stuck not charging is... 25% of your opponent's army that is doing not what they planned on doing, mm -hmm. right? The ability to actively and continuously disrupt your opponent's strategy and battle plan mm -hmm. is is worth quite a bit. And that this is something yeah. likely that your opponent has invested a fair few time and ideas into into how they want to use it. Sure. And that's not to say of the, you know, how many points of support pieces that they've put into it. You, know, you could be looking at an investment of over a thousand points of, mm -hmm. you know, your opponent getting... 
some Dracothian guard to work in a very specific way. And if you can neutralize that idea, you are likely going to be able to win the game. So this is something that lists that have fulminators, you want to have an idea of how to use it because there are going to be lists that have a unit of four fulminators and a unit of six raptors in the same list. That's a thousand points right there. Yep. But that's a lot of damage that you have to have an understanding and appreciation for of how it is that you're going to overcome those things over the course of the battle. Correct. Yeah. And when you're picking these units, like the Fulminators, you need to consider what you're going to see if you're a competitive player. What's going to be, what are you trying to deal with that you're going to see across the table from you? Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that's going to be really, really good at handling a lot of things that these guys, as you pointed out and gave specific examples, they're just not going to be very effective. So choose carefully and, and use them wisely. So that's it, I think, Brendan, is it not? Yeah, that's Pretty all much. we had written out. Yeah. You know, There's obviously a number of different units in this book that are you know worth taking a look at. There's a number of War Scrolls, all of whom have changed in some regard, that work you know slightly differently than mm-hmm. the way that they did before. Take the time, go through those War Scrolls, go through the Battle Tome, and... You know, that'll be kind of the rest of it. But in terms of overall final thoughts to the Battle Tome, Dan, you know, do you want to lead off with how it is that you feel about this, how it's going to function, what it is that we're going to be dealing with? And- I think that, you know, you and I have had some discussion about long-term army lists and things like that. And I think one of the things that having read through it now, you've got the ability in this war, in this Battle Tome to adjust to the meta. No matter what it is that's there at the top. And, you know, for me, of course, listeners, I'm not going to be that four and one. Most time to time, five, never five and oh. Oh, never is a long time. Yeah, it always, arri- always arrives a lot sooner yeah, than we could. planned on it. So, this is one of the key elements I've learned of working in quality is you've got to have catchphrases. <laughs> so, you know, I want to win more games than I lose. And this battle tome gives me the opportunity to build lists they're going to be able to deal with whatever the prevailing things that i'm going to see across the table for me whatever that is and i really really like the fact that it allows you to make those adjustments brendan Mm -hmm. whatever it is there's every tool you could possibly need in this book and i really like that I like some of the choices are very cool. The fact for me personally that I'd actually have options of shooting units that are respectable and can do a reasonable amount or really good amount of damage. That's nice to have that option. Even if you're not running, you know, those four fulminators or those four dragons or whatever else, there's a lot else you can put on the board and those raptors or those castigators could support them very, very easily. And just all kinds of different things. The the prayers are super good. The spells are very good. So a lot of the enhancements that we talked about are very solid. And overall, I just like the choices and like the options and like the way that you can optimize Stormcast. And I think a way you can't optimize every book. Th- those are my thoughts on this. And I really enjoyed digging because I really dug into this book as opposed to you know the Warclans that I haven't really gone through yet. Saying something very similar but slightly different, what you are going to start seeing at tournaments out of this book, I believe, is and it's really a cop-out answer, is everything. There are not many war scrolls in this in this book that upon any sort of interrogation and investigation of that you find, well, this is entirely and totally useless. And in a book that has 80 war scrolls in it, <laughs> that's really something that's quite impressive. Now, Some units are more effective and more efficient than other ones, but a number of them, you're rarely going to find yourself in a position where you go, I'm a complete moron for taking this. 
there is some sort of battlefield role or activity that you can justify selection for many, many, many of these war scrolls. I think there are competitive lists that are scions and stormkeep. I think there are competitive lists that are combat oriented, shooting oriented, and toolbox oriented, kind of in the immediacy of it all. You know, there are going to be obvious, clear, and big winners, you know, fulminators, vanguard raptors with long strike crossbows, dragons. Those are going to be things that that you're going to see because they're clear and obvious as being very good. Mm -hmm. But you are going to see some very savvy Stormcast players who are going to, in my mind, be playing Stormkeep lists that are going to be playing these very slow, very patient armies that are going to force you to kind of come to the middle of the board, grind it out, and then they're going to send in something behind you little late, take those objectives and be very difficult to move. Mm. And those could be ones that are supported with, you know, some of those big winners, right? That allow them to, you know, deal knockout blows. You can be a very aggressive player. There are some lists in here for you. You can be a very patient player and there are lists in there for you. You know, much like Space Marines in the other game. <laughs> these are the poster boys. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have been surprised upon release if we didn't get all the choices, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, that this book, you know, you only had the opportunity to play one thing. You absolutely can do any of those things as listed and feel very comfortable and confident going into an event that you can do well. The question is going to be, did you make the right selection based on what was going to be at that event, you know, sure. in terms of prediction abilities? Because there are going to be times where you take a shooting army and you're going to go, oh no, <laughs> I made the wrong choice. Yeah. Or you're going to pick a very aggressive combat army where you go, I made the wrong choice. There are just better things that do things that I don't like seeing at these tables. Do I think that this book jumps immediately into that upper echelon Mm. of armies in which they are nigh unbeatable? No, I do not. Mm. But this is a book where you're going to be able to write very competitive lists and you're going to be able to deal with most missions and most matchups and feel pretty good about it. And then it's just going to be the, you know, the skill and play of the player commanding it mm-hmm. that by and large dictates what the result is going to look like. Sure. As Stormcast players, if I were you, I'd be very enthusiastic about what it is that we just went through here over the last couple hours. I'm sorry that you have so many war scrolls that we couldn't read all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And inclusions of ones that we didn't you know, aren't indictments on those war scrolls necessarily. They were just ones that either weren't very different from their previous iterations. Or weren't new. (laughs) Well, (laughs) because we we did the new ones, so. You know, or we looked at it and we went, yeah, that's fine, you know, but, yeah, you know, the way that this one changed and what this does in the context of its new rules is is something to definitively be aware of. Sure. So that's kind of where I'm at with this book. I'm quite certain at the next event I'm going to be at, there's going to be a huge spike in the number of Stormcast players present. (laughs) Absolutely. Hopefully the dragons don't make it out in time, so I don't have to necessarily worry about that. But if they're not, I know I'm going to see a number of fulminators. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. Absolutely. So Good, Brendan. Well, thanks. Thanks for going through this with me. And listeners, hope we found, as always, uh, this useful. And we're excited to see more of this on the tables. Mm -hmm. We're going to move on. We're done with our Stormcast review, and we're going to go to Scriptorium. Start out, as always, with new releases. First of all, there is a new Necron book called Ruin, and I am just never excited about Necron books, Brendan, uh, as we discussed before, that, you know, it's always about the dynasties and always about the lords and whoever else are running these different dynasties. And that's what the book ends up being about. It's just a focus on that. Three quarters of the book is just all this infighting among the 
leadership and the elites. And then there's the rest of the story. I just don't find that interesting. If you are somebody who enjoys the Necron stories, go for it. This will be, I'm sure this will be a great book for you. The more important to me, and I think to you as well, now that you're into the siege release that we have now is Warhawk, which is the sixth book of the Siege of Terra. I will be waiting for it on Audible. I am so excited to see this because it is the con and the White Scars are going to... I'm not going to ruin anything here because you can read it on freaking Wiki. Well, it's not even on Wiki. It's 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 on the the picture (laughs) of the book. There is a, a spaceport that is key to the defense it is literally the artwork of the book (laughs) and it describes it on the back but the white scars and the con just do this amazing move and they at least they try to do this let me put it that way they make an attempt to do this amazing move and do this thing that is just key to winning the battle for the siege of terra and it's just so cool because the the con is definitely other than lehman roos i think he's my second favorite primarch on the loyalist side and you know having read books about him and his story and stuff i'm really excited to see what these guys are going to do and even already brendan in the siege he's done some pretty crazy stuff he's just like hey i'm gonna go do this dorn i understand what you're saying bye (laughs) and then all of a sudden zip there just disappear into the distance it's really fun to read about them. So I'm excited about Warhawk when it does come out. I'm going to wait for you. You've got the, I think you might have the audio already. I oh, think it might Warhawk? be. I think so out. Oh, I think snap. Check. Let's check. But I think it is. I know that I'm going to be waiting for the hardcover for a little I while. I still have to finish fine. Mortis first. Yeah. It's you going to be. How many kilometers away for, are you from? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> 50 kilometers now. I have just come across you... the uh, kind of the surprise engines. Okay, uh, and and the surprising thing that they do, or rather, aren't. Are you enjoying the countdown mechanic? It's interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This every chapter starts with this many miles or ends with this many kilometers. It's really cool. That's it for new releases. Really, not a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, Brendan reads, listens, watches for you. Not been listening to anything new, anything that I haven't discussed uh, already. Again. If you enjoy college football, go listen to the Shutdown Full Cast. I always find myself laughing hysterically. I always look forward to the Wednesday release, and I try to stay up for the the live show on Saturday nights, but it's usually just a little too late for me, and so I have to wait to Sundays to do that. I watched the Many Saints of Newark Mm -hmm. on HBO, which is the Sopranos movie. I definitely want a second opinion because I don't know that I thought it was very good. Okay. I thought a lot of it was like clear pandering to the show where you go, oh, look, it's young so-and-so. And, And, (laughs) you know, so many of the actors are either playing an older version of themselves or, you know, it's their sons or their cousins or whatever that are playing, you know, the a younger version of their relative who, who played a very, you know, prominent role in the show. I don't know that it's a spoiler for it. Uh, Ray Liotta is mm-hmm. one of the main characters in the movie, and Ray Liotta plays Ray Liotta's character and Ray Liotta's twin brother. And <laughs> like, now the two characters are very, 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 very different. But when you see the other Ray Liotta show up, you just go, okay. <laughs> cool. I mean, watch it if you're a fan of The Sopranos. It's two hours. It, it went kind of quick. Maybe I went in with too high expectations for what I thought it was going to be, but okay. you definitely learn some things about like some of the history of the show and okay. things that put you in different directions and and all that jazz. But yeah, so okay. that's, that's what I've been doing. 
I've been reading two books kind of back and forth. That Rise of the Ranger book that I gave a try has really been a pleasant surprise. I, I read the first chapter and all of a sudden I'm like, this is pretty good. Then I read the second chapter like, wow, this is even better than it was in the first chapter. And wow. So I've really enjoyed reading it because it's very different. It's humans and elves and there's dark magic. It's just, you know, that kind of fantasy setting. The main character is very interesting. There's some timeline issues going on. It's just very pleasant reading. And, and once I sit down to the book, I just want to keep going. And then I'm reading Hammers of Demon, which is that third uh, Grey Knights book. And never disappointed by Grey Knight's story. So that one is my favorite of the three in the book. And now that I'm into it, it's kind of like tough because I got them sitting right on top of each other mm-hmm. on the side table. And so I pick one up to read it. And then I'm like, I look at the other one going, oh yeah, I want to go read that one now. It's hard to decide. So we'll see. It's a race to see which one I get finished first. Uh, listens. So there's two things. First, Hellwinter Gate, which is a Space Wolf story, a new one, is not on Audible yet. So I've got to wait for that. The other thing that's was kind of disappointing. I was listening to Return of Nagash. And at first, you know, I talked about it last time. It was kind of interesting for Arkin and Manfred and all that to be in there. But it's kind of just gone off the rails, I guess, in that it doesn't seem very like like there's any progress being made. They're just kind of talking like, you know, they had that confrontation on the mm-hmm. bridge, which was really cool. But then all of a sudden you're at this fort and you're at these walls and going, hi, I wonder what's going on inside of uh, Sil- Sylvania right now. And these two guys are talking and they're just kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden it changes the scene to the Carrick Mountains and there's this dwarf hold and they're like, oh, I wonder what's going on in Sylvania now. And I'm like, what? What just happened? It's very disjointed. Mm. And so I'm not going to listen to it anymore. I mean, I gave it a try, uh, but that's one of the few books I'm just... And, and, you know, we always make those choices. We try something we hadn't tried. And so that was kind of a disappointment, but that's fine. Sure. October is going to be a busy as hell month. You got the Bond movie coming out this Friday. You got that Forgotten Battles thing on Netflix I talked about with the World War II movie. Critical Role, season three, October 21st, which is cool for those into that. And then two days later is the new Dune movie. So all of that in those four weeks in October, which is very, very cool. Critical Role, I always end up watching one or two, and then I let it skip for a while, and then I'll go back and kind of binge on it and catch up that way. But the other things I'm definitely going to give a watch. I finished Disc 3 of Cowboy Bebop, and then I finally finished the last season, which was Season 4 of Castlevania. If you guys have any interest at all, I would certainly start like watching the first couple and this story it just continues the character development is just amazing there's some unexpected characters in castlevania that i didn't really even know about and just really really well done so i would recommend that continue to recommend it and then the last thing i want to comment on is foundation which was on uh, apple plus tv it's a adaptation of the asimov series the foundation series that's another one that's been kind of disappointing i didn't know what to expect they've made a lot of changes to the to the storyline in the book and i don't mind when they don't include stuff you know that's one thing like you know lord of the rings there's a lot of stuff they left out of the book but at least everything that was in the movie was stuff that happened you know it's not like they added things that were not there and changed characters and the way they interacted and stuff foundation has done a lot of that that's my disappointment with it i think if you don't know anything about foundation you might enjoy it more but for me as somebody who had read the books more than once you know there's one character who's hardly at all in the first book and 
all of a sudden she's like the central part of the story. I'm going, where did that come from? And there are other changes. There are things that they just threw in there that weren't in the books at all. And again, I'm going, what? Why? Okay. Yeah. What's this adding to the value of the of the story? So, you know, give it a try. If you are a Foundation fan, you'll have to make your own choices always. But I'm a little bit disappointing there. But other things were have been working out real well for reads, listens, and watches for me. So That's good. All right. And we have a lot to look forward to in October. Uh, let's move on to this or that. Brendan Mann, yep. I'm ready this time. Okay. I got my questions. So I'm going to go first since I have my questions. The first two questions are, are we going to take... So you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take Yndrasa or are you going to take Bastion? Oh, that's a good question. Obviously, the key thing in there is Yndrasa doesn't have a keyword and you know is, is keyword agnostic in all of her rules. Mm-hmm. And Bastion is... Hammers. The good news is, is Hammers does some really good stuff. So the trade-off there isn't necessarily very poor. The decision matrix comes down to kind of the presence of monsters necessarily. So for the moment being, and I wouldn't fault you for going in the other direction, is I think you want Indrasta now in the present state of the game okay. over Bastion. But you know, if you take Bastion, you're not making a bad choice. Okay. So Raptors or Castigators? Let's say you can invest 500 points in either one. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get six of these, or you're going to get 15 of these? 12. Or, I, oh, yeah, you're saying... Roughly, it's a roughly, yeah, roughly 15. Yeah, the math ends up com- coming out as kind of all else equal, relatively. The nature of competitive play is the removal of variance. You know, to remove the as much variance as possible is the more competitive thing to do. Okay. Castigators themselves are inherently high variance. Mm-hmm. Their profile mm-hmm. is D3. You could spike or you could whiff. Yeah. Yes. That being said, you are solving a quality problem with quantity. Uh, 30 wounds versus 12, yeah. Mm-hmm. Three units of five, or five units of three, mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. I think if you're going to be spending 500 points and the difference is that, I think you want to be taking castigators. Okay. All right, I'm going to do two winter sports questions. Not that I want winter to come. Don't don't get me wrong here. But I just thought these would be interesting out of the way. In terms of Olympic sports. Oh, okay. More interest in and why bobsled or luge? Those are fun sports to watch. And I've always (laughs) wanted to do them both. And I don't want to say it's not athletic because it, it very much is. Oh, Luge is so much more interesting because it seems so much more dangerous. <laughs> and they're moving faster. Yeah. Luge scares <laughs> scares me deeply. Okay. So we'll go with Luge. That's cool. Yeah, they're both very fun to watch. I agree. They're very entertaining. Okay, so the next one is I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say old people sports, but you get to choose Shuffleboard or, or Bingo. Or, or curling. <laughs> Shuffleboard or curling. (laughs) So I've done shuffleboard before because I've been on a cruise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody who's been on a cruise has done shuffleboard before. And I was growing up, there were places where my mom and I would go. And Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to try curling. It is endlessly fascinating to watch. I don't know why, but yeah. Okay, curling it is. There was an alumni event I was invited to. Gosh, I can't remember how long ago it was where I didn't go, but I was considering it because it was going to take place at some sort of 
curling yeah, yeah. place and you know you'd get to curl with your fellow <laughs> alumni yeah. here in Milwaukee and I was like I'm not super interested in connecting with fellow alumni but do want to do curling is that Try, yeah. what's the trade-off here <laughs> that's cool mm. all right pickles sweet or dill I actually like both probably dill more often than sweet okay I was hoping that it was just going to be pickles, question mark. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? That's my five. All right. So I have three Warhammer questions. Yeah. I have a sports question and I have an other question. Okay. So I'll I'll do two of the questions here that are Sigmar based first, and we're going to end with the Sigmar question. Sure. Uh, The first one is, what is your favorite non-Fulminator Jacothian Guard unit? So that is the Tempesters. Concussors, right? Isn't the Concussors one of them? Concussors are the hammery ones. Yeah, yeah. I like the Concussors. I like that. Okay. I like those guys. Yeah. I like the Concussors. I just like the way they look. And yeah, it's cool. And okay. I like the two mortal wounds. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's too bad you're not playing Cruel Boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your favorite battle line unit out of this book? They all fill a, a very different role, right? Yeah. So you have Vindictors, you have Vanquishers, you yeah. have Sequiturs, you have Liberators. Yeah. And you have the two different kinds of judicators yeah. that are straight battle line. Obviously, right. there's a number of battle line if, but I'm only asking this question around the just kind of outright battle line units. I think vindictors are what, as I looked at all of them, because you know right away I go to liberators, like, what do they do now? It's like, oh, cool, you can make them three up, save, cool. And then I looked at the other unit, and, I looked, and then I looked at vindictors going, well, this makes sense. And the more I looked at them, the more like, and I'm sure, you know, so many people have come to that conclusion already. But they're just, for the number of points you're playing, paying for five models, they can just do so many different things. And that's why I like them. You know, they're certainly, if you put them somewhere, they're going to be really hard to move a unit of those, a large unit. And anyway, I think I think uh, Vindictors are my choice. Okay. I think they make sense for battle line. All right. Sports question. Oh, okay. We're mixing it up. All yep. Right. Well, because the... The last one is relevant to the future. What is the most difficult thing, in your opinion, to do in all of sports? And I'll add another layer to this of if I were to throw you a normal human being into into that equation, and I'll even give you the advantage of you at your most athletic, what would be the most difficult thing to do in all of sports? Okay. All sports everywhere, all of them. So the thing that comes to mind right away is hitting a hole in one. Okay. And, you know, my second thing is running 100 yards on a kickback to a touchdown. Hmm. That doesn't happen very often. But I think that's more probable for a professional football player than hitting a hole-in-one. I mean, you just don't hear about hole-in-ones very often. You hear about them sometimes. And when you do, you're like, oh, my God. Plus, you know, half the holes are too long. There's no physical way you can hit that ball 500 yards. But when you're within range, to think about hitting that ball that's like an inch across... Like 300 yards, like three football fields, and putting it in a hole that's like three inches across. Only slightly bigger, yeah. yeah. Just That's just a miracle to me that somebody could physically do that. I mean, I think that of all the things to me, that would be the most difficult to do. Okay. Intentionally do. All right. Next up, other question. I give you the ability to breathe underwater or fly, but you have to either survive underwater or in the air with your respective ability that you choose. Which do you pick? Fly. Okay. Definitely. But you don't. You, you know, you're not going to be like on the ground, really. You're just going to be up in the air. Oh, so 
permanently up in the air. Yeah. I can land on a perch occasionally, but yeah. Or underwater permanently, I can broach every once in a while. To yeah, come you, up, you can be to like around. Yeah, you like can like a merman or something yeah. and go back down. But like you live underwater or you live in the sky, would you choose to fly or breathe underwater? I think when I jumped out of airplane, when I was, you know, getting my jump wings, I thought about how that looked, you know, after the first time, which was terrifying, I'm it sure. Was, it was the very first time. But after that, it was when you're coming down, it's just like this amazing view of the world that nobody gets mm-hmm. from 5,000 feet or 4,000 feet. You're just, you're, it's just kind of like a, a tourist thing when you're going down and looking when you when the chute opens but i've been underwater too like i've been snorkeling a lot and that's just amazing and beautiful but i think flying because i think even though it'd be cool to swim i think that as a person i think being underwater would be so much more dangerous and even though the whole world is an ocean three quarters there's a lot of parts of the ocean that aren't accessible you know you get these dark places like they talked about on a blue planet where there's just nothing alive in that part of the ocean because it's it's just deep and there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it wouldn't really be accessible, you know. And again, being underwater, man, there's some stuff that could just eat you like you wouldn't even see it coming. And if you're a human in the air, now you might have to watch out around airports, right? But there's not specifically, a whole, there's yeah. not a whole lot of other things like. I don't think that raptors would attack you because you're so big. It'd be kind of cool, I think, to be able to to fly. I yeah, I would miss putting my feet on the ground and having to float to like do the podcast, you know, float <laughs> next to the mic. So anyway, that's the real secret: is you stay like an inch above ground <laughs> and, <laughs> and just put your hand on the ground. Like, oh, that feels good. <laughs> Okay. All right. So my last question is in our next battle tome of the four allegiance abilities, are you most excited to talk about cruel boys, iron jaws, bone splitters, or big wah? Cruel boys, just because it's new. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some really interesting, just a couple that we've talked about, some really interesting and challenging for their opponents, things to deal with. Sure. So I think, yeah, cruel boys for sure. I'm looking forward to talking about that one. Yeah. That's it. Those are my five. Awesomeness. We did it. All right. Show close time. We'll be right back. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Brendan, so the first thing we want to do is we had promised earlier there's anything that comes out news of pre-releases or anything. We're going to talk about that real quick. Yep. Uh, before we left. Black Templars, Blood okay. Bowl, Amazon, Tomb Kings. Okay. Paperback Mortis. Yeah. And Amazon Blood Bowl. That, mm. that, that's connected, listeners, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the release. None of it, Sigmar. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's it. So some 40K stuff, some Blood Bowl stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Episode 83. We got War Clans. We do have War Clans. Yes. Very cool. It'll give me something to focus on for the next couple of weeks to get ready for that. I think we're going to try in a couple of weeks. I yep. think we're clear for that and then we both have an event the week after that mm-hmm. so probably listeners when we come back after so for episode 84 probably be post event reporting out kind yep. of a thing and whatever else we want to talk about we won't have any other books to talk about but there's and there's always stuff that we can discuss and and make interesting so yeah that was it mm-hmm. so that didn't go too bad brandon for 80 well, no, War we scrolls. cut it in half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for 80 War Scrolls? All right. Yeah, so just double the time that you were here in that main portion, and, I don't know, go do something for the same <laughs> amount of time, and that's what this would so have been. So instead of a three-hour show, we'd have a five-and-a-half-hour show. I mean, if that works for you, we can try that next time. But So thank you, as always, my friend, for yeah. being a part of this craziness. And listeners, thank you for joining us again, and we hope that you are doing well and... Uh, 
things are going okay for you in these crazy times. And other than that, take care, stay safe, and we will see you next time around. Bye. This is the